Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get I love March. It's March. I love March. And I would have loved it less had uh, the result of today's second round game. Or is it a third round game? Third round game. Second round game. Second. What were the games on Wednesday? First. So this is the second round? Yes. So Wisconsin's in at the third round. I would have, uh, I love March. I would have loved it less had Wisconsin lost in their second round game against Maryland earlier today, but they didn't. That's a win. And you know what that is? That's a win. That's a win on heart and guile and guts and want to. All of the things that you cannot measure at a combine. You can't measure it on vertical leap. You cannot measure it on a shuttle drill or a cone drill. You cannot measure it on shooting percentages. Today's game, you got to do those things, but today's game was won on things you can't measure. And that's how Wisconsin has played in probably five of the last six games. So, And a couple of those have been losses, but not today. Not today. So they will survive and play another day. They did enough today to earn at least 40 more minutes tomorrow, and it is 11 a.m. Central Time against the top-seeded Spartans in Michigan State, a team they saw just five days ago. So that's good, and I love March regardless. Right now you have your choice. You can watch Iowa and Michigan on the Big Ten Network, or you can watch the Brewers in spring training baseball, or there's uh, golf going on in Mexico. I mean, there are options. There are things. There's stuff to do. There's hockey tomorrow. I mean, dang, this is good. You know what bugged me? February limped out on a bad note. The Bucks. Played poorly last night. Poorly. That bugs me. All right, so here we go. Welcome aboard. I, I bring back into the fray John Audis. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? The Wisconsin Badgers have moved into the quarterfinals of the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament. Mike? Quarterfinals, right? Yeah, that's yeah. tomorrow. Third yeah. round. Third. I like to go quarterfinals. Okay, it sounds you can. better, doesn't it? Yeah, today doesn't have a name. Second Today's round. the second round. Yeah. Tomorrow's the quarterfinals, Saturday the semifinals, and Sunday the final. Yeah, if you say quarterfinals, it sounds like, whoa, Badgers in the quarterfinals. Do you hear it? Yeah. If you say third round, you're like, cool, how many rounds? What's going on? Quarterfinals sounds more important. It does, and it sounds better than being in the Elite Eight of the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely sounds better there's than that. There's 14 teams. <laughs> so being in the final eight is, you know, okay. 
But it's where they are. And I've talked about this throughout the week. They're going to need cooperation tomorrow in order to advance to the semifinals. It's kind of how it works. Michigan State would have to be complicit in what tomorrow's upset would be. If Wisconsin wins, Michigan State's got to help them out. I mean, that's just kind of how bigger upsets work. John, I'll, I'll break it down for you. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, but yesterday I did work for the National Football League. I don't know if they'll compensate me for it, but I rewrote the catch rule. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah. yeah. Simplified it. Can you uh, recite that back to me? I can't if I look it up on my Twitter. You don't remember how you phrased well, it? Well, I did. I okay, mean, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you what mine would be. It's a simple deal. Here's what mine would be. We're rewriting it. Is that what's happening? Yeah, simplified it. I would, if you're crossing the plane of oh, wait. the, the end on. zone, really? this is what the goal line, yeah. then you don't have to maintain possession throughout the process. Okay. If you're going out of bounds, then you don't have to maintain possession throughout the process. Okay. I would just change those two things, and I would keep the rule pretty much as it is throughout the field of play. Got to make a football move in the field of play? How do you define it? I don't think they have football move in, how the, about, in the rule how book about anyway. How about two feet and possession? There are going to be more fumbles. Yeah, that's what I wrote. There's going to be more fumbles. Ton more fumbles. But yeah. Jesse Jesse James was a touchdown. Des Bryant was a catch. Uh, Corey Clement and Zach Ertz both catches. Uh, the play earlier this year where Detroit had it down to the goal line on the game's final play that would have been a catch. The only issue I think I might why, have. Why are there issues? There's no issues. I mean, don't start with. Would issues. there not be a bang bang type of? You're up in the air as a receiver. You're coming down. Like you would feel kind of ripped off if. If your defender hits the guy just as his feet touch and the ball lands in his hands, and within point two seconds the ball is then out of I his hands, I would rule simultaneous uh, uh, two feet and uh, and contact from a defender uh, is the subjective subjectivity of the official. Like imagine if that's for a it's touchdown. If that's for a touchdown, well, yeah, you can't have that. You got to possess it. Oh, you have to possess in the end zone in your rule? You never no, read no, no. me the rule. Okay. Well, What's possession? You, what is possession then? Oh, no, you're going to be that guy that goes to the what is possession Well, you just concept? told me you have to possess it, but then you said I in the did. field well, of play you can hold is, it for point two John, seconds. possession is control of the football with two feet down. All right, so that so that bang-bang play probably would be incomplete then is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, all right, then yeah. Okay, that's good. But there's subjectivity in there. That's where the referee get. that's where they earn their money, John. And that's how that's how that happens. Then you're gonna have a bang bang touchdown call, and people are gonna be like, "That wasn't a touchdown. We need to fix this so somebody, rule." Somebody asked me yesterday the about the contact, and I said, "Then it's a fumble." My new catch rule for those who were listening yesterday. Sorry for the repeat, but John wasn't apparently. Man, it's on a podcast. It's on my blog page. I'm not. Sure and it was tweeted. You have a blog. My new catch rule, as written by me, quote: "Possession of the ball with two feet inbounds." Going out of bounds or breaking the plane ends the play. It is a catch. In the field of play, possession of the ball and two steps, two feet down, is a catch. No surviving the ground. No completing the process necessary. End of the rule. End quote. Boom! See, that's what you do, John. So did you, would you clarify for me then what happens when, when you're going up for the catch, you jump and you leap into the air. Yeah. I'm I'm the defensive back. I right. come back over to you, and as your toes touch, barely touch the Didn't ground. Did we just do this a moment ago? I, I'm not sure if I understand what your ruling would be. And then the ball lands into your hands, and your toes in your hands, and you can freeze the picture, and you have the ball, and your toes are on the ground, two Has feet. Has he controlled the ball yet? What's control? 
possession of the football, controlling What's, the football. Is there a certain Not amount? Not like of where it just hit his hands. Okay, yes. Yeah, so let's say John, there's a subject. We just did this. There's subjectivity involved, but like simultaneous it. is incomplete. Then, if the ball came out, what? Simultaneous with the? I don't know what define simultaneous you, with. What do you mean? Simultaneous with what? what? You just asked the question simultaneous about with your the feet. Def- Feet and oh, the ball. Oh my goodness! See, John Mike, this Adios. is where no, no, your no, rules no. a little complicated. You, no, you've complicated it. Well, you it's just I have asked, questions. Sorry. And I answered your question, and then you forgot what the question was. Okay. You asked about simultaneous contact from a defender. Mm. So the defender hits you just as your feet hit the ground and the ball is in your hands, just at that moment, almost simultaneous. Yep. It's incomplete. Just said that thirty seconds ago. You have short-term memory loss. So then, what if it's point five seconds later? Then it's a catch, and then it'll be a fumble. What? So point four nine nine and oh, below is simultaneous. Okay. I'm, I'm serious, Mike. I'm serious. I should know better than three. Don't get upset. Oh. This hour. Well, excuse me for challenging yeah, your rule you, and asking no, questions. I'm not going to excuse it. It's, I it's have no answers. Don't you challenge me. Professional. Um. Is Glad you weren't win? here yesterday. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly just trying to understand no, it. Not. You get all defensive because no, you think Listen, it's the best rule in the world. You, or something. Every time you've tried to interpret rules, it gets really complicated because there are questions really? to be no, asked. John, Mike. sometimes you just have to allow the officials to make the call. If it's simultaneous, it would be incomplete. If it's close to simultaneous, you want catches to be judgment calls sometimes. Yes, thank you. What we've done is we. Is is I don't want to have to go pro- on one sixty fourth of a second frame by frame to see. Wait, was the ball still moving there, or did he have possession? John, this goes back to what was a catch in your backyard. You know, we knew what a catch was until Bert Emanuel's catch in nineteen ninety nine in the NFC Championship game was ruled to be not a catch. Before that, we knew what what a catch was. I could watch every game and say that was a catch. That's not a catch. That's a catch and a fumble. That's a catch and a touchdown. What the NFL did is with people like you, John, they decided they had to write out every element of it. Everything had to be descripted in their rulings. And then we all didn't know what a catch was anymore. Mike, I like your catch for the most part, except for I'm just trying to figure out. You're telling me that catches can at some level be judgment calls in your rule that you would like passed. And if that's the case... Is that what you want? Do you want a judgment call with the catch, which could lead to inconsistencies, which could be a touchdown in Week 14, an incomplete pass in the playoffs, and your team loses, and you've got an entire fan base saying, that was a catch three yep. weeks ago. John, we've had that for, for the better part of two decades. and it's We've had it. What do you mean? With the that. Catch, with that the, reaction of a fan base. And did you like that? This takes most <laughs> Why of that do you want away, to keep John. Most of it. Um... I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not. I I like your rule, Mike. I just I don't know why you're so defensive. Well, about because it. you 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 because I've see, asked questions. See, that see what you blow want. Holes Honestly, what you want is it to be written and described so explicitly that it will be get it'll get confusing again. I just wanted to. I just wanted you to define a couple of terms like and I, possession I, I and judgment call, and, and what I, is the timing there? And I did. But then you want. Well, what about if it's point four four nine seconds? Stop. Well, I mean... That you can't bring all those things pro- into play. Okay, well, just then... Did he catch it? Did he control it? Was he hit at the same time? Are those simultaneous? The 
the contact from a defender and the possession of the football and two feet down. Did those things happen simultaneously and then the ball came out? Then it's incomplete. Mike, if you're okay with some level of inconsistencies in the rulings throughout the course of your new catch rule, then that's fine. Yep. But if, as long as you're okay, because I'm not exactly sure. I haven't thought about it that deeply yet, but I, I mean, other than what I told you how I would fix it, I would just keep the going to the ground within the field of play. Um, so we're, we're almost on the same page there. So in the field of play, you're still taking it all the way through, completing the process, and yes. surviving the ground. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, those are the rules that everybody got crazy about. Okay, well then have your fumbles and your judgment calls. Yeah, fumbles. Fumbles and judgment calls, that's what we want. Um, would an upset over Michigan State for Badger basketball make the 2017-2018 season for you? No, I mean, cons- uh, under the circumstances. All right, so if if we go back and we say in September, not knowing that you're going to lose two key players to injury, and if you just said, hey, you're going to be under 500, but you'll win two games of the Big Ten tournament, then bow out, what do you think? I'm going to say that's underachieving. They didn't get to where they were supposed to get. Now, uh, understanding the circumstances... I, I don't I'm not gonna throw the, the the dart at this season and say this season was a total failure. If they go ahead, to your point, if they go ahead and beat Michigan State. In fact, John, I would say right now, I'm okay with how they survived what they went through this year. Would I have preferred that they didn't have the, the big stumbles in January and early February? Yep. But I think watching how they finished, you can see that there is light on the horizon, and you can see that there is a, a path to returning to the NCAA tournament and returning to being the team that they have been for the better part of the last 20 years. So with those things in play, uh, I don't even think they need to beat Michigan State tomorrow to have that feeling. I think I've already got that feeling. Number two. All right, number two in our Why are you mad at me now? Are you mad at me? Three. No. Answer the question. Are you? No. Okay. Is uh, the Packers are raising ticket prices. Did you see this story? Yep. Is that a big deal or not? I don't think it's a big deal, and this is why. All right, I understand that that people are going to be bugged. There is a tremendous demand for Green Bay Packers season tickets. Tremendous demand. I mean, the, the season ticket waiting list is is uh, more than a century deep. So it is, uh, it's simple economics. Supply and demand will, uh, will dictate the, the cost. And there is a great demand on the supply, so uh, upping the ticket cost. Uh, now, Drew, when I did a crosstalk with him on the Drew Olson show a little bit ago, he said he would prefer that they did it once every five years, but they upped it $30. And, and I do uh, $30 per game per ticket. Um, I do think that people would rather um, get the uh, the you know nickel dimer here, which at seven dollars a ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about eight season tickets, but not everybody's got that package. We're talking about six on the Green Bay plan and two on the Milwaukee plan. So if you if you were lucky enough to possess both, we're talking about fifty six dollars for the season per ticket. I'm okay with that. And I know it's happened every year. So in how many years has it been consecutive? Like seven years? Some, five straight years? Whatever that is. most Packers fans would be... That's $35 over five years. I mean, it's a pretty expensive endeavor to, to go to a Packers game. And if you have season tickets, you're probably going to... You're probably going to say, I'm okay with any type of increase because of like what you said, the demand for it is so high 
that you'd pay any increase. And then if you're just a regular fan trying to get a, a game ticket, I mean, it, you're just trying to get it off one of the uh, you know secondary markets, right? So yeah, I, I don't know if it really affects anyone that that hard. Okay, so here here's a. I mean, honestly, for me, the bottom yeah. line, I'm not a season oh, ticket holder. Bottom line, uh, brought to you by. Uh, I'm going to steal your bottom line. I'm not a season ticket holder, so I can easily say uh, no big deal. If you're a season ticket holder, maybe it's a big deal to you. I don't. I don't know what that answer is for those who no. are in that position. Number one. Number one in our big three of three. What was your biggest takeaway from Mike McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst? I, not. Not nothing. A, yeah. Nothing. I well, no. My. Big, I had two. Yeah, two. I had well, two. Okay. So yesterday we talked about the Gutekunst uh, comments on free agency. And the only line in there, and it really bugged me, was that he cited his uh, mentor, his predecessor, Ted Thompson, about being cautious. Oh. In free agency, he talked about being aggressive. We want to be in on everybody. We want to have the conversation Mm -hmm. with everybody. However, uh, you have to remember your market size. And as my mentor, predecessor, uh, has reminded me and did remind me over the course of these years, um, you have to be cautious. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh my! I don't want to take advice from Ted Thompson about free agency. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I get... I get that you do have to be. You can't just go like, "I want you, 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 Correct. money, money, money." You're no, like, it wasn't the idea. Yeah. It was that he cited his right that he cited Ted. Thompson. I don't want advice from Ted Thompson on free agency to be filtering into Brian Gutekunst and how he goes about the process. Well, two things stood out to me was the really aggressive. I think he used that quote, "really aggressive" in free agency, and it's something that Packers fans knew once he was hired that they were going to be more aggressive. But as we get closer and closer to free agency, to hear the GM say "really aggressive," but it was I in thought, the same soundbite that he said "really aggressive" that he cited his predecessor right. and his mentor. I guess I didn't take it that way as far as taking advice about free agency. I took it more as, "but we're not going to spend tons of cash on everybody and just be." wasteful and irresponsible about it that's kind of the way i took that and then the other thing is um the brett hunley comments when he talked about well here take a listen to a little bit of uh mccarthy evaluating hunley's season well i think when you look at brett i I just like anything you look at what he what he was able to accomplish so you know now his reps are on on his live reps are on video um we we felt that he could have been better prepared so we got to make sure that 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 doesn't happen again better prepared and so I'm just a little confused because that was also the quote at the uh, Rogers injury that, you know, we're invested in three years, the quarterback rooms where it needs to be. And then in March, he's like, well, I should have been better prepared. That to me is a little confusing. I don't. Uh, well, OK, so it's almost as if he's admitting uh, we, we no, I, we, we, we I weren't think, ready for no, that. No, I think you're taking it the wrong way. What is he saying? I think he's saying Brett Hundley needed to be better prepared. That's on him. That Hundley needed to be better prepared. That personally, that guy, you know, well, that's a way then to pass John, the blame to your quarterback. No, no, well, is it? If it's there, you can't do that during the season. 
I'm just saying, if, that erodes, if you say... That it, erodes confidence, if right, he right. said it in October, that erodes confidence in the roster. I get that at the time, he really didn't have anything else to say. I mean, he's not going to say, well, I'm not, thing he can say. Yeah, I'm not sure if this guy is going to be any good, but we're going to try. Everybody made a big deal about that in October. Right. When he said, this is our quarterback room. We've invested three years in this guy. That's what he's saying. Now, all coaches in those situations are going to say it so the roster hears it. And the public hears it. It might not be what's behind closed doors because I think ultimately once they got push got to shove and Rodgers is out, what they recognize is that Hundley hadn't done his work. Well, two things. Is it? I don't know. That's how I interpret it. Well, then either two things are happening. You're kind of admitting that um, we, we kind of screwed that up. Well, I don't or, get the we. Why does the we part? Or you're admitting or you're just throwing the blame all on your quarterback. Like, I mean, we were ready. The quarterback room was where it needs to be at. It's that guy. Go ask that guy. So either you're passing the buck on your player saying he hadn't, he needed to be more prepared, or you're kind of saying um, you're almost contradicting yourself from what you said as, you know, when he got so yeah. defensive that the quarterback room's where it well, needs to be. Again, I'm sorry. Uh, you got, uh, can I take a shot at you here or not? Are you going to be mad at me? I mean, I'm I repeating know. the same thing. I don't know what John, he John, his message in October is he's not contradicting himself. He only had one thing that he could say in October, Mike McCarthy. Unless they're going to go out and get somebody. Well, you know what he could have said? Uh, are you looking at Colin Kaepernick? No, uh, we've got our quarterbacks uh, that we want to go forward with. Which is, John, you... Okay. I mean, he could have said can, that, could right. he not? Can, I mean, can, I, that, right? can I please get my point through here? Okay. He was sending... A message. We believe he was sending a message, yes. So then he wouldn't say it like you just did. Well, He was you... trying to be emphatic. This is my guy. This is our guy. We've invested in, in him. He is our quarterback. He's saying that to the 53 guys that are in the locker room that aren't in the presser. Because he knows they hear it. No, I understand it from that perspective. I get that. Yeah, that's what that was. So anybody that wants to take that run at and say, well, he said that then, he's saying this now... Yeah, this is the truth. Then is a message. That's politics. So he's lying. No, he's coaching. Hmm. Is there a difference? Oh, yes, incredibly. He's coaching. That message is meant for the locker room. Not not that he's on a lie detector with the media. That that message is meant for the locker room, to a certain extent the fan base, but ultimately he didn't care about that. The message is in the locker room for that roster. And I think what I heard yesterday is that what I heard is that he didn't uh, he didn't feel that his quarterback did his work, that his quarterback was not ready to step in in that moment. Now, were you taking a golf swing or a baseball swing? Golf. A golf swing? Are you ready to golf? Because I'm golfing in like three weeks. Three weeks from today I'll be on a golf course. Why not next week? Because uh, I'll be working when I'm in Arizona. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, so here, here's the deal. I want to tell you a little bit about a couple of things with our friends at Trip Nerd. Uh, one is about the CMA Festival, which comes up in June, June 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. By the way, three weeks from now when I'm golfing, I'll be in Nashville golfing, hopefully if the weather provides. Uh, but I want to go back in June to the CMA Festival because I love country music. And if you do, that's where you should be too, and you can be with our friends at Trip Nerd. Four days, three nights, biggest country music stars on the planet, all in one place in their hometown. Three nights at the Omni Hotel in Nashville, two lower-level seats for all day, all four days of the event, and Trip Nerd on staff, on location, all 24 hours. Because you're at the Omni in downtown Nashville, 
you won't need a car. Once you're there, you'll go everywhere you want on foot because you're right in the middle of the heart of the CMA Festival. So dial pound 250 on your mobile phone now. Say the keyword trip nerd when prompted. You'll get all the information you need. Or you can email info at tripnerd.com or just look them up online, T-R-I-P-N-E-R-D. You can check this off your bucket list with our friends at TripNerd, tripnerd.com. This is The Mike Heller Show. We're going to visit with Tom Hardicord, our baseball insider, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online, in Arizona, where we will be in just a few days. Heading down on Sunday, heading out, out west on Sunday. And shows from Maryvale on Monday and then on the road spring training Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. I'm going to try to start do something. Start the three, two, one. I'm going to pick our music differently from now on. I was producing the Drew Olson show today, Mike, and I just brought up the entire music library that we have here at the radio station, you know, for all the stations. And I just start picking songs and playing them. What do you think of that idea? It's a pick whatever John sees yeah. on the uh, song list. I'm, I'm good with that. By the way, whatever. our time in Arizona brought to you by Chalmers Jewelers, Sutton Transport, Middleton Ford, and Master Z's, the legendary fan cave where all the family fun is still affordable. So, I mean, okay, so with the Badgers in the Big Ten tournament and um, seeing how far they go with the Bucks being kind of crummy at this point, I mean, what else is there going on as far as bets? What kind of bets can we make? From here on out. I'm talking Ian's pizza bets. Because I don't think we've made an Ian's pizza bet in a while, so I don't even know well, what we can start making bets yeah, on. Where, where tomorrow's concerned, I mean, if you give me 11 points, you take Michigan State and give me 11. I don't want to take, take Michigan that. State. Huh? Oh, okay. I'll take Michigan State, beats Wisconsin by 11. You give me 11 points, and I got the Badgers. 11 and a half. Plus 11. Okay, wait, thank you. Wait, I'll take that, the plus wait, 11 no, and a half. I want to go whatever, no, I love whatever, no, 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 whatever way makes me more. I thought it was solid negotiating on your part. <laughs> whatever way makes me more. No, 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 I think you did it well. I, I will stay at I 11. I accept the 11 and a half. We'll stay at 11. I accepted the 11 and a half. Well, if you want to make a pizza bet at 11, we'll do it right now. Ian's Pizza, log on to the Big 920 or the Big1070.com and win pizza from our friends at Ian's Pizza in Madison, in Milwaukee. You should check them out. You should go have the mac and cheese. You should go check out their monthly specials. Oh, and if you're not into pizza on that particular day, but everybody you're with, like, we got to get Ian's pizza. They have salads. Yeah. By the way, I paid off uh, uh, part of our bet to Rob Vogel earlier this week with a nice card and an Ian's pizza certificate in it. And all I got back from him was crap that, whoa, how long have you had this? What is this all about? This is all like bent up and wrinkled, like it's been your wallet for two years. And I said, listen, they're going to take the, the, the gift card. Just you want the pizza or not, brother? You want it, otherwise you don't have to. So, so and he you said, give... this is only for a slice. And I said, Vogel, that's all you deserve. I'll get Mike Lucas a full pizza pie when as soon as we work out the details. Well, to be honest, how many fritters did you get? I well, got one. I got one. So yeah, why should he get a whole pizza I, if we got know. one fritter? Yeah, right, the one fritter cost them a buck and a quarter. I mean, they pick it up at a convenience store on the way in. It's not like they're going to a bakery. Right. So I've I only got one fritter and they lost a bunch of times. Yeah, it's, it, so give it, him one slice of yeah. pizza and, and we'll then be he done. Was unappreciative. So what's his he can deal? Screw off. 
Whoa. You know what I meant. All right, so Mike, I yeah. got to ask you more about this McCarthy oh, thing. Oh, boy. Because I was looking at, I was trying to find the tweets I found earlier this morning. So uh, Ryan Wood, who writes for the Green Bay Press-Gazette, talking about that quote where McCarthy says, I believe in Brett Hundley, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he, the quote was, we felt that he could have been better prepared. Uh, Ryan Wood writes, sounds very different than when Hundley initially replaced Aaron Rodgers last season. I'm not done yet. Um, also scrolling through different uh, Twitter accounts, NFL associate editor Bleacher Report, Ian Kenyon wrote on the Brett Hundley thing, Mike McCarthy saying Brett Hundley wasn't ready is an indictment of Mike McCarthy. He was a Mike McCarthy draft pick who sat on the bench for two and a half years with Mike McCarthy as his head coach and needed to learn Mike McCarthy's offense. Others, uh, I've seen other comments about him not being ready saying, well, that was McCarthy's job, was that to make sure that he's ready. And they went with the guy that wasn't ready. So, I mean, do you understand how some people would hear Mike McCarthy saying he wasn't prepared and say, well, why'd you play him? What else are you going to do? Get Colin Kaepernick? You know, people in retrospect are going to be silly about what they could have done. Right. I don't know. I mean, listen, I understand their options were limited, but do you understand how people would see that and say, like, well, man, he seems like he's, I don't know, is he passing the blame on somebody else there? Is he passing the blame on Ted Thompson? Is he passing the blame on Brett Hundley? Is he trying to take a little bit of the blame? Or is it just. Well, I'm sure that at some level, um, there's a a view of. of Van Pelt, uh, maybe Alex Van Pelt, maybe not having him ready. Maybe that's part of the reason Alex Van Pelt is not back. Hmm. You know, John, you can take a horse to water. You cannot make him drink. So if Brett Hundley got complacent in his third year of not playing, if he got complacent, you know, he's there in the meetings, but maybe he's not studying at home. Maybe he's not doing the extra things you're supposed to do. What McCarthy said in October and November cannot be held to him today to compare and contrast. That is not the message. That's not the time to talk about anything that isn't all positive. Okay, so let's just assume that once again, that's all he really had to say, or he was trying to make that a moment to say, hey, we're going to be fine. This is our guy. Um, even this, the even him just saying that and recognizing that he wasn't prepared doesn't he get a little bit of heat for that since sure, I, you're supposed I, to be have I'm, the guy ready my, and he my, obviously wasn't and my, the coach admits that he wasn't prepared. My point is that some people that it's never as easy as saying it's all that guy's fault or it's all that guy's fault. It's they're both complicit. But I think the coach is saying uh he wasn't prepared enough. But here's so he's putting a little pressure on Brett Hundley. Put more time in. Put more work in. Is, is is Mike McCarthy partially responsible? Yes. It's never as simple as, hey, that's 100% of the blame over there, and I'm not responsible. He's the head coach. So, of course, he's responsible. See, but I, he's calling out the player and saying, listen, needs to be better prepared. He knows it, too. I, I read it as... I didn't read it as he was saying Brett Hundley needed... I mean, I'm sure he, he probably did, obviously, need to be better prepared. I, I kind of read it as he just wasn't prepared as a whole right like he wasn't prepared to be and, in and that I, situation I not, it, wasn't prepared as i wasn't doing the homework i read it a little bit more as an indictment of brett hundley's work ethic his preparation that's but, how but everything we've heard from hundley seems like he's he's a you studious guy I, I think maybe it comes down to just brett hundley isn't very good and or it's hard for first year quarterbacks to get into a rhythm when they've been sitting for three years I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I from all I've heard is that he was a, he's a great study from him. <laughs> um, 
I, I don't remember where I got all my information, but that's kind of the gist of it. I don't think. I mean, that's not what we saw as it manifested itself on the field. But I don't know if that's what we saw or if we just saw a guy that just isn't that good of an NFL quarterback. Well, like Maybe we just saw that. Um, you want to take a quick call before we take a quick yep. break? Jim yep. in Janesville called. Hi, Jim. Hey, guys. I got three comments, and then I got one question. That's a lot wow, of comments. Wow, we don't have a lot of time, but okay. Really quick, really quick. He's not good enough. He doesn't have pocket presence. I don't think the players believe in him. Whatever, whatever McCarthy says, I don't think the other players believe in him. And lastly, uh, do you want him? I don't ever want to see him on the field again as a Packer. Now, that's harsh, but do you think he'll be our second-string quarterback next year? I say no. We're going to find out over the next six weeks if he will be. Uh, they're, they're, if they bring in a, a veteran free agent, Mike Lennon's available now from Chicago. I would assume, Mike, I don't know what you feel, I would assume there will be competition at yep. the very least. Yep, no doubt. There's got to be. I don't think, I mean, I know he's, McCarthy also says he's very positive and Hunley believes he can, you know, take the next step or whatever. I think it would be a mistake. We're going to visit with Tom Hardicourt from Phoenix, Arizona, Brewer Spring Training. We'll check in with uh, the Journal Sentinel's Tom Hardicourt next on the Mike Heller Show. These are Baseball Insider Tom Hardicourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online. We're going to. What do you need me to bring out to you when I come see you on Sunday, Tom? What can I bring you from Wisconsin? What do you need? Ten, ten extra degrees. <laughs> All right, done. Done. I think you're going to get that uh, when we get out there. I saw the extended yeah, at the middle yeah, of next week. I believe week. you're right. We saw the forecast. We saw some 70s. Never did we ever imagine we would be like <laughs> all excited about 70s. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be out looking forward to seeing you on Sunday in uh, and they're at home at Maryvale Baseball Park on Sunday. Let me ask you about today because um, we're seeing a little bit of uh, of what is the battle for pitchers deeper into the rotation for the Brewers. So what have you seen from Wade Miley and what have you seen from Brett Suter? Well, well, they both are putting a pretty with the Lucky Land slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good foot in the door, aren't they? Yeah. I, I think... um. You know, so, sometimes I forget what we talk about between you, your show and Drew Olson's <laughs> right, yeah. show. Uh, well, did, I think I, t- I told one of you today that the way I've seen this race from the beginning, this starting rotation race, is that Davies, Anderson, and Shasheen have spots locked up, and that I think they would like Suter to be in the rotation as well, which would leave the the fifth spot a battle, really, between um, Wade Miley, Junior Guerra, and Giovanni Gallardo. Which would kind of send Wilkerson and and um, Woodruff back to the minors for to, to preserve depth, as they like to say. So, if I have a good read on it, um, I would say of the 
Miley Guerra Gallardo trio, Miley's definitely stepping forward there. So, is there? What do you see from from Junior? We talked about this two days ago. Junior Guerra was your starter on opening day a year ago. He was the top of the rotation guy, um, and then this year pitched in winter ball. Last year he didn't, and he was pretty effective right. down there. Is there enough in his tank? Uh, to be determined. He hasn't been particularly sharp the first few times out, especially for a guy that pitched winter ball, as you noted, and pitched pitched a lot of winter ball and pitched well. I mean, we're still just getting going. But, I mean, you know, even the Diamondbacks writers here said Miley looked a lot today to them, like uh, when he was in his best years with them. If you look at his, you know, his career year by year, he had some pretty good years with the Diamondbacks. When he was just getting started, and then he went to the American League and he scuffled, and we've seen that before. Yeah, but um, he was just so out of shape with his delivery last year. He walked ninety-three hitters, led the major. I don't know if that was major leagues, but he definitely led the American League. He, he he was just so frustrated and disgusted with himself uh, after the season. He went home and he broke himself down, went back to an old pitching coach, made some adjustments, went you know and found. I, I think maybe at his former school. Um, he went and got some simulated games, and I mean, he came ready to pitch when he got here. He was he was ready to pitch, not just get ready to pitch. He was ready, and so uh, and and I give him credit for that because he knows he he's got to try to win a job, you know. And then he's going to be a bargain if uh, he does anything, yeah, you know, positive. Well, so. and Derek Johnson is uh, beginning to really earn a reputation of somebody who figures stuff out for for arms. Right, he does, and I was talking to a a pitcher about him yesterday, who said they compare notes on Derek Johnson to see if he's telling them the same thing, <laughs> and he's not. He like gives individualized instruction, which is what you want. You want him to tell you something you can do better, not something that maybe the group can do better. You know, and so uh, he's always studying. We rarely get to talk to DJ. He's always got something going on. I chatted with him briefly yesterday. You know, he's the guy that kind of came up with this new pitching plan this year where the starters, instead of waiting to pitch every five days, are going in shorter bursts with two or three days in between. And then eventually they'll stretch out the four and five days by the end of the camp. But he wants to get him on the mass on the mass as much as possible early. And he's decided, and I think it makes a lot of sense, that it's better to face hitters in games than throw bullpen sessions between your appearances right. with no hitter in the box. Yeah. What was uh what was your reaction to Ryan Braun's first base debut? I know he used an outfielder's glove, which you uh, you can do. You can't use a first baseman's mitt anywhere else other than first base. And he said his isn't broken in yet. But what did you make of his defensive debut? Well, he got lots of opportunities. He had balls hit to him and wild throws from fielders and pickoff face. He got lots of activity. And, yeah, he's going to be fine. Yeah, he's an athletic guy. He's going to be fine. As long as he doesn't have any health issues, as long as his back doesn't start bothering him from all the ground balls that you see on a daily basis, he'll be fine. And so, <laughs> I, I love that. Somebody tweeted to me uh, about the uh, not the glove not being broken in yet, saying, how come we have a Tesla in space, but it takes six months <laughs> to break a glove in? How much did you love yesterday's ninth inning? Oh, my word. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, um, we, I, as you know from being down there last year, you, um, 
we go on the field to talk to the manager after sure, the game, right? right? You don't yeah. go to the clubhouse, you and you catch him like immediately after the last out, uh, and we get him for a few minutes, and that's it. So we always go down with a few outs to go instead of the stands. <laughs> well, I almost couldn't get out of my seat. I think I sat there for thirty-five minutes. Oh, that was uh, fantastic! <laughs> and and there was a kind of a loudmouth, belligerent Giants fan who got worked up during that inning and, and was tossed out before the game was over. <laughs> Is that right? Oh. And, and my and I said, security should have punished her and made her stay and watch it. <laughs> Uh, for those who are unaware, it was 10-3 going to the bottom of the ninth, and the Brewers rallied and tied it at 10. And they fortunately, there's no, not very often that there's extra innings in spring training baseball. No, they just don't have the pitching no. for it, you know. <laughs> and uh, and and the Giants went through a few pitchers. I don't know how many pitch. I don't know how many pitches their pitchers doing that ninth inning, but it was probably a hundred. And um. They just couldn't throw strikes. And, you know, the last half of the game, Nick Franklin, who, by the way, is swinging the bat very well in camp, hit a bullet that actually took a bad hop right at the first baseman's head, and he threw his glove open and went right in it, and he beat him to the back for the final out. So, I mean, he blistered the ball. That could have easily been a game-winning base hit. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but never has the team felt better about a 10-10 to tie, right? Right. Than, I think uh, McAlvey channeled you in a tweet he put out uh, that number 84 had pitched in the ninth inning. It wasn't his jersey number. It was the number of pitches he threw uh, in the inning <laughs> to leave you guys right. sitting there and, and, and waiting. And, and right in the middle of that rally were, were our two favorite um, spring training players, Nate Orff and Kyle Wren, <laughs> who I wrote about recently. And uh, so they're, they're considered a package here, and so they go by the combined name of Orff Wren. There you go. So we, Perfect. We have a new name, Orphan. It's two different. It's two people at once. Orphan. That's fantastic. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you on Sunday. If there's something you want me to bring to you other than temperature, let me know. All right, man. Looking forward to it. It'll be right. great. Will you yeah. still have me on, or will yeah, I be shunned no, while you're in? You're, gonna, you're part of the process, probably every day. So be prepared. Thanks, man. All right. All thanks, right, Tom. Well, safe travels. Look forward to seeing you. Sounds good. Tom Hardicore of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online. His time here brought to you by Westtown Monona Tire at the corner of Gammon and Odana Road in Madison. we got a couple of minutes. I wanted to bring in Brian Ziegler, uh, who is with Badger Honor Flight. And, uh, and Brian, uh, we don't have a great deal of time, but I wanted to spread the word because you guys have a little bit of a change of what you're doing with Badger Honor Flight in 2018, and it's good news. That is right, Mike. Uh, we're, uh, we are used to flying four flights a year, but due to our waiting list keeps growing, we're now going to fly five flights this year with three in the fall. That's fantastic, and and that means, you know, the great thing about that is it means that you're able to fund them because uh, those who are donating continue to do in those communities and groups that have taken this under their wing. They're obviously doing the work, and there are enough people and veterans who are getting signed up to make it pay off. Exactly, and we're always looking for uh, folks that want to help do fundraisers for us or be our corporate partners. So we're always looking for folks like that. So I, I do this all the time. Whenever we visit, I, I want you to help get the word out for those people who are families of veterans of the Korean War era, even World War II, for those that are still uh, working through that, or Vietnam, to get in touch with you and to get their veterans, their family members signed up for this. How do they do it? They get a couple different ways. They can either call 608-616-0243, We'll get you an application. It's a voicemail system. We'll follow up with you. Or go to our website and go to the Applications tab up there and download a veteran application, fill it out and submit it, 
And uh, we'll let you know either way that we got your application uh, and that you're on our waiting list. And here in the final couple of minutes, um, not to that I'm having you toot your own horn, I'll do it for you a little bit, but you guys have done such a good job with Badger Honor Flight that you've gotten a, a greater honor because of the work that has been done in, in the way you guys have gone about your flights. Yes, uh, I am now a member of the National Board of Directors. Uh, what we've done here at Badger Honor Flight is great. What we've done here in Wisconsin is great. And I look forward to taking that uh, to our national organization and help other hubs be just like us. Yeah, and it, what, a, what, a, what a fantastic thing. I remind people every time we get a chance to visit of, uh, of being able to be a guardian on one of the trips, and it's one of the great days of my life, and I'm not a veteran. I don't have a veteran within the family, and anybody that's a part of it in that way, shape, or form will be forever touched by what it is you guys do. Well, thank you very much, and I encourage everybody that if you haven't done it, come out to a welcome home. You'll get touched just like Mike was. When, uh, when's the first flight this year? Give us, uh, give us the spring dates. April 21st. And then we're going to fly May 13th. Both those flights are filled right now. And then our first flight in the fall will be September 22nd, October 13th, and November 3rd. Brian, it's outstanding. I'll look forward to our next visit. Congratulations on the work you and your staff have done with Badger Honor Flight. Uh, Can't wait uh, for the two flights in April and May this year. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks, Brian. Brian Ziegler, Badger Honor Flight. It's fantastic what they do. All of the Honor Flights, as he mentioned, all of the, the different chapters hubs in the state of wisconsin do a fantastic job it is uh it is a great organization that gives back to our heroes who have uh, served in conflict back in a moment hour number two on the mike heller show they're the in crowd we're the other ones it's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from we let our color show where the numbers ain't we're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint that's who we are this is the mike keller show that's how we roll call the show at 877-729-1070 send a tweet at mike keller show now here's mike keller We will uh, continue to debate the merits of Mike McCarthy's comments yesterday about Brett Hundley and other things when Bill Huber joins the program. I was talking to Bill last night uh, because they had an extended amount of time with McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst after the pressers at the Combine and said they were very revealing. So we'll look forward to our conversation with Bill Huber. John, block out just a Slightly broader chunk of time Whoa. to talk with Bill. We're going all in with yeah. Bill Huber, huh? Yeah, because I think he's got some insights here. Ooh. Some things. He's He was excited about those conversations last night. So I want to share that in greater detail. Also, the storyline where Sean Miller is concerned in Arizona got really, really interesting today. Because Miller, in his first public comments since the report. Now remember, the report from ESPN last week was that Sean Miller talked payment on wiretap. FBI wiretaps intercepted multiple conversations between Arizona basketball coach Sean Miller and sports agent Christian Dawkins, in which Miller discussed a $100,000 payment to ensure star freshman 
DeAndre Ayton signed with the Wildcats. Do you want to just go into the 4-4? Four because four? that's number four. Now, Miller has different words, and we'll talk about those in a moment. I'm Mike Heller. That's John Audius. Hey, fellas, what's up? Move that bus. This is the Big Four at four. The top four trending sports stories this hour. Number four. Yeah, you lead right into number four, Mike. Sean Miller, Arizona coach, disputing the report by ESPN that says that he was caught on tape talking about paying a player $100,000 in an FBI wiretap. I also want you to know that the one time that someone suggested to me paying a player to come to the University of Arizona, I did not agree to it. It never happened, and that player did not come to the University of Arizona. also went on to say this. Let me be very, very clear. I have never discussed with Christian Dawkins paying DeAndre Ayton to attend the University of Arizona. In fact, I never even met or spoke to Christian Dawkins until after DeAndre publicly announced that he was coming to our school. He's denying everything. Obviously, which is really interesting because ESPN has walked back their retraction. Remember earlier they had a retraction on the timeline and corrected their timeline. They've walked that back today, um, rescinding that retraction and saying the original timeline was accurate and reasserting that their sources and federal wiretaps have Sean Miller on tape recorded multiple times. Now, in this dollar situation. So, well, 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 what happens next? Sports Illustrated says, according to their source, relevant FBI wiretaps in the investigation did not begin until 2017. That's what their uh, source is saying. That's months after Aiton had already committed to Arizona. Michael McCann had a link on Twitter that says, a source telling uh, Sports Illustrated that that FBI wiretap did not intercept a phone call where Sean Miller discussed making a payment. Well, isn't, I mean, this is really interesting, right? It's Mark Schlebach and, uh, and, and Pat Forty, who are at the center of the story. And they are highly reputable, long-time reporters. So somebody... This is a bizarre Somebody has bad information, yeah. or maybe it's just that, again, I'm going to be cynical here, maybe it's that Arizona and Sean Miller doesn't believe that there is the wherewithal there to publish this. So they've figured out that it's going to be our word against theirs and that this won't fully come out. That's, that's a, what happened in, mm-hmm. now to a much lesser extent. That's what happened in Deflategate. They, once the Patriots felt like the NFL could not prove this, like they did not have the wherewithal to actually get the information out that would make it irrefutable. So if the Arizona Wildcats, the university, and the head coach, and their attorneys believe that ESPN and the FBI investigation will not have the wherewithal to make it irrefutable, they now they're just going to flat out deny it. I mean, they must be banking that there is no, yeah. no phone call. You know what I mean? It's just such right. a crazy story. Like Sean Miller today. I have never knowingly violated NCAA rules while serving as head coach of this great program. What does that I've mean? I've never knowingly? paid a recruiter prospect or their. F- With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Family or representative to come to Arizona. I never have and I never will. I think he's just kind of covering in case it comes out like there was a different type of violation. Like, you know, if he says I've never done anything wrong and it's something comes out where maybe he didn't know about it. I think he was just trying to cover his butt there, but he goes, I've never paid a recruit. Also, I saw this tweet from Michael McCann of Sports Illustrated, Michael McCann Sports Law. He says the fact that Arizona is not only retaining Sean Miller, but letting him publicly speak in an official capacity in response to those allegations signals to him that the school believes him because if university officials had any doubt they would never have had a press conference. Yeah, I mean this—that's the part of this that gets crazy. We're gonna—we're actually guest hosting on the Rich Eisen show tomorrow, working on Andy Staples as a potential guest to to dig get, into this a little. We deeper. should get Michael McCann too. Well, you, you know how let's to just get... have the whole show interview after interview, right? Because I think Michael McCann would be fascinating Ooh. on this. I, I mean, this is stuff. this is crazy. Yep. I mean, we've heard baseball players. I know this is kind of different level, but we've heard baseball players say we've heard Ryan Braun. So I never did anything. Yeah, that's totally wrong. And then you find out, no, you you totally did. Well, you know, I mean, part of the one of the uh, mantras that's usually uh, here is deny, deny, deny. But the university gave him the microphone to deny, 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 even though he didn't coach last Saturday night. Now he's it's said he's going to coach tonight, but he's not on the court. A tweet just moments ago, not on the court during their shoot around today. This is crazy. Such a crazy story that he comes out. He's basically saying that's this is all lies. Oof. That whole story is fake. Man, that's stuff right there. Number three. All right, number three in our big, what are we at, four? Four o'clock? Yeah, John, it's four o'clock hour. I know you're all confused on time zones and stuff. Badger basketball won today. They beat Maryland. It's a pretty fun game there at the end. Went down close to the wire. Badgers come up with a big steal at the end to seal the deal after a couple free throws. So would an upset next over Michigan State kind of make the season for you? Like if, like... I don't think any fans are expecting them to win it. I'm sure there are some, I guess, to win the whole thing. But would an upset there just kind of be like, okay, that's good. That's pretty good for what this season was. Well, no, let me change your view on this. Okay. If they win tomorrow, then go ahead and win the whole dang thing. Because the road gets easier if you win tomorrow. You get potentially Nebraska or the you know Michigan rolling through there. Yeah, if you listen, here's the deal, John. You win tomorrow. My mantra, my mindset changes to go ahead and win two more and get back in the NCAA tournament. I already think that the season from where they were to where they are right now, I'm okay. I think they've done a fantastic job of bailing out the water and riding the ship, and doing the things you're supposed to do, I think they're playing very good basketball now. Don't get me wrong. Of course I'd want them to win it all, but at the same time, I would know that that would then take another two upsets. Like, you'd, you'd have to still beat Michigan or Nebraska, and then you'd have to beat Purdue or Ohio State if they got that far. So no, but it's I, almost like, okay, you got that win. But won't change my opinion. I, I'm already I mean, sure you'd want them to win, but I'm just saying... Most likely, then they would probably not advance to the NCAA tournament. So then, would you say, well, that you know what, that win, that kind of 
That kind of did it for me. I'm good. Well, if anything after that is great. I thought. I mean, your question to me was if they won tomorrow, uh, would I be? Would I'm that already make the status. season for no, you? No, I'm already. I'm already there. Hmm. Win or lose tomorrow, um, given where they were and where they are in the moment, I'm. I'm in a good place with what they've done. Tomorrow won't impact that in a negative way. I just hope they don't get crushed. Yeah, you know they don't have the home court. They don't have senior day. Can Davison replicate another 30-point game career high? Most likely not. I'm just saying everything was seemed to be going for them in that game on Sunday. I hope it doesn't get away from them on Friday. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Right. What are we at, number two? two. Number two. Packers are right. Uh, what are they doing? They're raising their ticket prices, Mike. Is this ticket price hike a big deal or not? Um. I Well, okay, so... It's not fair for me to judge this because I'm not a ticket, a season ticket holder. But for those who are season ticket holders, I think the price has gone up each of the last five years. It is really a business model of supply and demand. And there is a tremendous demand. So the supply is limited, and that allows for prices to go up. And, you know, not that they have this mindset, but just from a cold-hearted business standpoint, if the uh, if the demand will allow for tickets to still be sold, I mean they have more than a century long uh, waiting list for season ticket holders. So if uh, if this gets you know some people say that's it I'm done, they just give them up. Somebody else is going to take them. It's not as though there are going to be empty seats or unsold seats would be the better way to ask that or view that. So, but I'm not a season ticket holder. So for me to say. It's no big deal. That would be inaccurate. So how much would that add to somebody's season tickets overall per year? Like if they for one seat. Yeah, like 50, for one seat it's fifty six bucks. I mean, listen, if you have if Packers, they had all all eight if they had an eight game package. Right. Okay. So like fifty some bucks for yeah. one seat. So if you had a couple seats, it'd be like a hundred and some bucks, right? Yeah. Yep. Listen, I, I would think for the most part you don't you don't like it. Obviously you don't want to keep paying more, but I would I would venture to guess if you're a season ticket holder for the Packers you're gonna you're gonna hold on to those seats and you're gonna pay an extra hundred bucks, right? Yeah. It's not like you're gonna go. Well, you know what? Then screw you. Yeah. Somebody else take them. Somebody <laughs> no, else will. Yeah. You're gonna pay an extra two hundred, three, right. four, yeah. five. I mean, they'd get to a point where they wouldn't take it anymore. But I would think, for the most part, season ticket holders would just be like, ah, oh, crap. Okay, I gotta pay it. Yeah. Otherwise, that's done. Uh, all right, let's move on to number one. Number one. In our big four at four. Mike, what was your biggest takeaway from the Packers press conferences? Uh, was it yesterday with uh, Gutekunst and Mike McCarthy? We got Bill Huber coming up in about five minutes. He has some more inside information on other conversations that they had with the media. But what was your biggest takeaways? Um, well, I mean, the thing that the, the Gutekunst talking about being very aggressive in free agency, but he did counter it by saying his mentor, his predecessor, also has advised him, you know, to be cautious, which I think is, you know. He, I think it's what he's gonna say, uh, but I enjoyed listening to Brian Gutekunst. I, you know, for for the first time in quite a long time, we've got a GM that um, that is talkable where the media is concerned, and he was yesterday. Um, and it just seems like there is an excitement, a, a built excitement about what's going on and and rolling forward with the Packers. And we'll spend a little, uh, quite a bit more time coming up uh, with Bill Huber in a couple of minutes, talking about those conversations, and not only that in the pressers. But Bill Huber was front and center as Mike McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst were available 
much at a much greater length after those times. And then the one of the things that stood out to me, and I want to get uh, the thoughts of, of Bill Huber, when Mike McCarthy was asked about evaluating Brett Hundley, here's part of what he had to say. Well, I think when you look at Brett, I, I just like anything, you look at what he what he was able to accomplish. So you know, now his reps are on, on his live reps are on video. Um, we, we felt that he could have been better prepared. So we got to make sure that, that that doesn't happen again. Could have been better prepared. Is that a shot at Hundley? Is that uh, him admitting that they didn't get him up to speed? What is McC- is McCarthy admitting that that was maybe the wrong decision to go with Hundley? What where do you take that comment from from Mike McCarthy? I've seen people, you know, online on Twitter say, "Well, I so, think that's an admission of something." To, to me, this comes back to uh, what we talk about in games. Somebody's going to want to assess that comment and and give it one hundred percent blame. Uh, I took it as kind of a 60-40 shot at Brett Hundley from the head coach, with the head coach saying, uh, "You can take, you know, you can lead the horse to water, you can do all the things, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's going to be up to him, and he needed to be better prepared when the when the possibility came up, when the opportunity arose, and he wasn't well enough prepared. That's also a little bit of a self indictment on the head coach, his quarterback coach, his offensive coordinator, uh, of Hundley not being ready enough." Or maybe it's an indictment on the general manager that there wasn't that there's not enough there. I think we're going to know a lot of that in the next six to seven weeks because I think there is every chance that they're going to bring in a veteran, a name, not a starting name, but a backup name to compete for the job and uh, street free agents as well. So I don't know that Brett Hundley will be the guy necessarily. So everybody wants to establish individual blame there. I think it's a shared blame, but I thought McCarthy laid it kind of at the feet of Hundley there, if you want to assign number 6040. Uh, we're going to visit with Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, our green and gold insider from the NFL Combine in, in, in Indianapolis. Bill Huber is next on the Mike Heller Show. So I've been looking forward to this since we had a little Twitter conversation last night um, with Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, joining us from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Bill, how are you? I'm great. How about you? Good. Now, we knew yesterday that Brian Gutekunst and the head coach, Mike McCarthy, would have pressers, and those were interesting in their own right, but they're press conferences. But then you had uh, more extended time with him. Explain um, how that uh, how that goes about and and maybe what your greatest takeaway is? Yeah, the uh, PR staff up something for all of us writers. I'm away from the cameras, and we're not out there live tweeting stuff, but just away from the cameras. And we had 90 minutes at a restaurant with with uh, Brian and, and McCarthy. It was, you know, not so. You know, you, you get somebody away from the camera, and you get you tend to get better answers. Probably no surprise there. So yeah, it was really good. Um, gosh, you know, we talked about everything under the sun with those guys. Um, shoot. Um, so let's let, let's um, start. Yeah, let's start here, Bill. Let's let's talk about Jordy Nelson because I know that there's been some question mark about where he is in his career arc and whether his future is in Green Bay or if there is no future. Uh, maybe there was a little bit there. Yeah, that's that's a good starting point. Um, it was mentioned at the press conference and back at the restaurant too, and you know, Gudekun said that you know he he has basically said he has, he has no interest in getting rid of good football players. 
Um, and so I followed up. Is Jordy Nelson still a good football player? And he said yes. Um, and then he talked about, um, so he kind of talked in some past tense kind of stuff. I said, but you know, look, he had, I said he had average less than 10 yards to catch, and he didn't do much after the catch. Um, can he still play? And he said, yeah. And he said, the experience is vital. But that was really good because earlier he was talking about corners, and he says, you have to be careful with corners, veteran corners, because once a veteran corner's legs go, they can't play anymore. Um, if Jordy's legs have gone, apparently he thinks he can play because the experience makes up for it. So is that kind of the James Jones uh, concept? That uh, James, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I, so I thought Jones didn't have the athleticism in his final year in Green Bay, but he had big numbers because he was on the same page as Aaron Rodgers, and he was really savvy. Yep, great point. He, um, in the first four, in the first five games of the season, um, Nelson played in four when he missed the Atlanta game. So you take the first four full games of the year, he scored six touchdowns. I mean, the, the catch numbers weren't great, the yards weren't great, the average per catch wasn't great. Six touchdowns is great. And, I mean, you know, I remember Rodgers talking about when he came back from the Carolina game. He said that he still thinks Nelson has some juice in him, and he was, he was eager to show it, and obviously he didn't show anything that game. But Rodgers sees it, and apparently the Budokun sees it too. So I would, if, you know, maybe they'll try to rework his contract and see if he'll give a few bucks for the good of the team, but I, I would just be floored if he's not back at this point. Talking with Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, down at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Um, I want you to listen to what Mike McCarthy said in the press conference when talking about Brett Hundley, and then uh, I'll ask you if he expounded upon that in the private conversation. Well, I think when you look at Brett, I, I just like anything, you look at what he what he was able to accomplish. So you know, now his reps are on, on his live reps are on video. Um, we, we felt that he could have been better prepared, so we got to make sure that that, that doesn't happen again. Uh, just as a whole, as far as our whole operation. Um, so you, you look at the evaluation, the things that, you know, really where he started, how he ended the season, he definitely improved uh, throughout his opportunities there. So, you know, I, I feel very good about that. So when McCarthy was saying that Brett needed to be better prepared, was that on Hundley? Did he expound on that or was that overall? Um, yeah, he expounded on it and it was, it was, it was all around blame. Um, and McCarthy said to us, he said, it stings, that he was not prepared enough. His words were, it stings. Uh, I, I think he's taken the blame, and I, I think uh, there's probably a reason why Alex Van Pelt is the quarterback's coach in the Bengals right now. It's because he came out of that feeling that Hunley wasn't prepared, and someone's going to be the fall guy for that, and it became Alex Van Pelt, much to Aaron Rodgers' chagrin. Hmm. So less on... But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Budakum said it too. I mean, it's just, you know, Hunley very well might be the guy. Don't get your hopes up out there, people, that they're going to, that they're going to have a better solution. They're certainly going to try to, I think, but there's no guarantee there is a better solution. I, I think you've got to build a guy up um, publicly and probably personally, too, just in case you, know, just in case you can't do better than him. He's your number two guy again next year. You, but you better, you better try to build the guy back up, and I think you, you have to say all the right things about him right now. Uh, Brian Gutekunst in the press conference talked about being aggressive in free agency. Um, are they more ready for free agency than Ted Thompson was at any point during his tenure? Yeah, he keeps saying that. Um, you know, he said it today that you know he was introduced back in January, um, saying that they they have to be ready if, if there's an opportunity there, they have to be ready to pounce on it, or they have to be ready to not pounce on it. Um, he said the same thing again, and it comes with the caveat that. They might not be able to do a lot. You know, I looked up yesterday where there are $16 million under the cap. There are only either seven or eight teams with less cap dollars available. So 
he might want to be aggressive. Um, if, I, if I were a Packer fan, I wouldn't be very disappointed, though, if he's unable to do it. They just don't have money to do it. You know, if you look at the Bears, after they after the Bears cut Glennon, they're going to be 60-some under the cap. The, the Vikings are almost 48 under the cap. The Bears are, or the uh, Lions are 30-something under the cap. I mean, they are. They just don't have much money. I think, I think among the NFC teams, maybe only Philly and Dallas have less. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of space. So I think he would like to be aggressive. I just don't know if they're going to have the wherewithal to do it. So you might be, you know, some second-tier guys, you know, kind of bargain shopping after, you know, three or four days of free agency. Maybe that's the way to go. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't take aggressive to mean splash foods. If I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to pull that off. Will there be any concerns or limitations on Aaron Rodgers coming back? Doesn't sound like it. Um, that's what McCarthy said yesterday. Um, he hasn't talked to – I think he said he hasn't talked to Rodgers about it, but everything seems good at this point. So uh, as they roll forward here, what – With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's your assessment? What's going on down there that Packers fans might be interested in seeing whether that is uh, where the Brewers sit at 14 or Pat where the Brewers where the Packers sit at 14 <laughs> uh what have you taken in so far at the combine uh yeah you know this is our, our first day with players so I I don't have a, a great feel for it um I don't I mean, they, I mean I think everybody knows the positions where they might go to you know pass rusher corner and I think almost you know, I guess I'd be surprised if they pick quarterback or running back early, but I mean, anything else, guard, tackle, receiver, tight end, I, I think everything is on the table. I just, like I said to Gutekunst yesterday, I said, you go to the look at the Super Bowl where the Eagles and Patriots had top five scoring defenses, and I said, you know, what in the hell did it, good did it do them? They, they got killed, those defenses got killed in the Super Bowl. I said, is there something to be said about just going, going out and build your offense and score a million points? Um, he said, you, 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 you want to build the defense so you can win that way too, so you don't have to just come on your offense. Right. But, yeah. I mean, you you know the fire power here. Well, I mean, guard receiver, those all make guard receiver tight end. That all makes sense to me. Well, and then you know, I mean, it's really the first time that there has been available access to Brian Gutekunst or uh, Mike McCarthy since the announcement uh, with Gutekunst, or since the postseason press conference from McCarthy. So, was there anything else that that jumped out at you with the first opportunity to really visit with them? Um, you know, I thought it was, we're, we, they were together, and at first I'm thinking it would be nice to get them separate so you can maybe get some more revealing answers. But, you know, they sat next to each other for probably 70 of the minutes, and they seemed to be really getting along. I remember, you know, we talked about this with McCarthy, saying that the new, the new GM has to fit with me, too. It seems like there's a fit there. Um, you know, they're choking each other, and, you know, McCarthy's just talking about Gutekunst, and, and Gutekunst says, yeah, and, and I can get you some really, really good players, too, and they got a chuckle out of that. And, you know, they, they seem to be getting along really well. There seems to be a pretty good rapport. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, obviously it's early yet, but I, I, think, I think this new regime's up to a pretty good start from, yeah. from that perspective. Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting just in the, in the overall conversation. This is different. The access to, with Ted Thompson, was never quite like this. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience, but certainly through 
um, your eyes, uh, this is a different deal, right? <laughs> my, my first question to him at the port, to Brian at the podium is, you know, I remember every year some person who had no idea who Ted Thompson was would come up there and press conference, Ted, what do you think of the guard class in this year's draft? And Ted would smile and says, I think they're all good players. You know me. I'm not going to say anything. So I just, I just basically asked Budukun just, just to see what the answer would be. What do you think of the draft? And he starts to start saying, yeah, I think it's a good, class, good group of cornerbacks and a good, good group of offensive linemen. It's like, wow, I mean, we were getting answers. I mean, he's giving you a little insight in the draft. You know, Flatel said that they want to play in free agency, which, you know, Thompson never said that. It's, it's we're, get, we're getting a, a peek inside of things for the first time in a long time where Thompson never said anything about anything ever. Um, there seems to be much more of a willingness to talk publicly, and so, which is great for us and which means it's great for you guys. And then uh, the last thought here is, as you head into the weekend, uh, you know, this is fun for you, right, being down there and, and being in this environment. What are you looking forward to uh, of what you'll see over the next couple of days? Yeah, I just like talking to the players. I, I, like to, I like to get a feel of personalities and stuff. You know, the guard from Georgia, um, gosh, the last name is Wynn um, Isaiah, maybe. I mean, he's, he's a possibility for the Packers. He's a guy who's played tackle. Um, Packers, of course, have always loved tackles who can go play guard. That's him. His personality is great. I mean, he, um, he's, he's, he's a typical lineman. He's a big, super intelligent guy who loves to laugh. I, I just like talking to players and kind of getting a feel of, of how they might fit from that perspective. So that's, yeah, I, I love the people part of it. Well, you, you enjoy, and, uh, and we'll check in with you, uh, you know, maybe as soon as next week after you kind of get a recap of what's going on. And appreciate your insights and sharing some of that conversation that you were able to have with. Mike McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst at a restaurant. Did somebody pick up the tab then, or were you guys just sitting there? No, thanks. I, you know, I thought maybe I'd have to go wash dishes. That was my, that was my dad's joke. You got any money, Bill? <laughs> oh, I'm now 10 years old. Well, I have to go wash dishes. So I, I was a little fearful. So. There'd be a lot of dishes at that they, place. They took care of it, in other words. Yes, they did. They plus themselves. Very nice. That, well, that's why the tickets just went up for the season ticket holders. You had to buy your dinner. <laughs> yeah, you, you can blame me for eating too many sliders. <laughs> there you go. Bill, thank you. We appreciate it. Have a great day, Kyle. Bill Huber, PackerReport.com. Now there's there's the answer. Ticket prices up. They bought dinner for a bunch of these reporters yesterday. Too much money. The reporters going crazy. You know how if they're going to get a free you know free meal, they'll take it whatever. I mean they'll just order whatever. Yeah, they don't care. They'll order whatever right. they want on the menu. Plus they it's were free. probably at one of your places. Did you go there? You know what I um go where. In, in, they're in Indianapolis, John. Did I go there? Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like a specific place in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, how come I didn't go have a beer with Bill Huber? No, I'm talking about the... You said you were going to see if you were going to get a table for one. Oh, at St. Elmo's? At St. Elmo's. Nah, I never did. You didn't do it, huh? Yeah, I got there too late, and then I was like, there's only one night to do it. And instead, I decided to go have a couple beers. At Rock Bottom? Yep. Yeah, how did yeah. I know that? How did you know that? I just know things. <laughs> yep. Right. You know exactly what's up, Mike. Right, hey, Mike, you. somebody... Um... Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-oh. Okay, he just got back to me. Mark had tweeted at me, at John Idis Radio, really don't need your neg- negativeness on the Badgers. You sound so condescending. Typical Minnesotan, not needed on airwaves. And I was Ooh. like... What would you say? Because we were talking about the Badgers, and if they beat Michigan yeah. State, does well, it kind of make the season? I said, and you said, no, just go win the whole damn thing. And I said, well, I mean, I'd want them to win the whole damn thing, but... I don't I think know it's if a he, dang thing, dang but thing, right. but I don't know if they could get another upset at the end against Ohio State or Purdue, one of those other teams. So I tweeted back at Mark. I'm like, "Are you serious with this tweet, or did I miss sarcasm?" 
He says, I was trying your dry sarcasm. Sorry, John. Oh. Okay. So I took that as, what is Mark talking about? So you're okay now? <laughs> I'm you, okay. You and was, Mark are friends again? I was literally just going to address it, and as we were talking here at the start, um, he tweeted at me. So, okay, it was just dry sarcasm. So, yeah. I wasn't being condescending. I was, I want the Badgers to win. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? What? Okay. Here's something that I've been asked twice about Badger basketball. Something that someone has asked me twice, two different people have asked me twice today about the Badgers, Mike, if they run the table in the Big Ten tournament. And I'll tell you what they asked, and I'll ask you that question, too, and I want to know what your answer is. Oh, so that's going to happen when we come back from this commercial break? There's a question about the Badgers that needs to be answered if they win the Big Ten tournament. We'll Hmm. find out that question next. All right. Uh, So that's coming up. Plus, we'll take your phone calls, 877-877. 729-1070, back in just a few minutes. Stay with us. This is the Mike Heller Show. What do you got? What do you got? You said you had uh, you've gotten a question a couple of times, and that we were coming back from commercial break. You were going to ask, and then say what people wanted to know. So I'm going to ask you the question that a couple of different people came up to me and asked today after the Badgers beat Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. Right. You know what all Badger fans are thinking? No, I don't. Win the whole dang thing? Oh yeah, I was thinking that too. What if they do win the whole dang thing? What if they extend the streak of making the NCAA tournament because they to win 20. the Big Ten tournament? That would be fantastic. It would be pretty cool. And I've had two different people ask me, Mike, uh, what seed would they be if they made the NCAA tournament? And and then I added this in. I said, well, I don't know. First, I mean, they'd probably be in that play-in. Would they be in a play-in game as an 11 seed? Yeah, maybe. 11 in, in that uh, Tuesday or Wednesday playing game is a possibility. Or would they put them in a, like a 12 seed or lower? <laughs> I mean, you'd be talking about what, like a... A Wisconsin team that's one game over 500, right? With that time, wouldn't they be like 18 and 17, I want to say? Close to 500 or one game over 500? Where do you think they'd be seated if they did make the tournament? Let's ask this question now because you never know how long we have where we can actually ask that well, question. Well, Wisconsin is 15 and 17, so if they won the tournament, they would be, um, what are you looking so funny? They'd be 18 and 17. Okay. So if they won three more games, they would be to 18 and 17. They would have run their conference record, even though these games don't end up counting, uh, to 500 overall in the conference. Um, so, I mean, I don't know exactly how to answer the question, but I do think that if they were to win the Big Ten tournament, they would probably be um, 11, 12, something like that. I don't think they'll be on a 16 line. That would be unfair to whoever a one is. Um but they could also be in that uh, in that fourteen three. You know that twelve five matchup. That twelve five is always an upset round, right? So, yeah, I I think I'm not uh, I'm not going to allow myself to go there. But I'm saying until tomorrow. Mm, but this, if they win tomorrow, I just th- I I said at the beginning of the week that I thought they'd win this game, but I thought they'd lose to Michigan State. Michigan State will have to cooperate if Wisconsin is going to advance tomorrow. Michigan State will have to be complicit in that. They will have to play below their level by a fair amount. You know, they'll have to be, I don't know if disinterested is the right word, but they'd have to play at a level 
uh, of opening the Big Ten tournament in Madison Square Garden that would have issues. So that would be that would be the question mark. All right. So that I mean that's what I would be thinking about. Um. So yeah, that that would be. I I I don't want to like suppress any potential excitement, but I also don't want it to be there where it doesn't belong. If Wisconsin plays as they have in the last three weeks, they'll give Michigan State a run tomorrow. But if Michigan State plays like it can, Wisconsin can't beat them. I think that I think for some you're going to view that as unfair, but I think that's the reality. If Wisconsin plays as they have, they can give Michigan State a hassle tomorrow. If Michigan State plays as they can, Wisconsin can't beat them. Not in the moment. So, I mean, that's my view of this. So, am I excited about the Badgers' opportunity? Um, I'll tell you tomorrow. I'm excited that they're going to get to play another game. Uh, they have been fun to watch again in the last three weeks. Prior to that, it was it was hard to watch. They they were in a struggle. They they didn't have enough to go. Speaking of hard to watch, Ted Davis, the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, that was a hard one to watch and call last night in Detroit. Just wasn't their night in the back to backs. They showed it that 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 wasn't there wasn't much there for them last night. Was there? Wait a minute, I got a great story for you about yeah. your producer there, John Audius. Yep, I know him. So this morning I do a thing with him eleven thirty on his show. You know the rundown. Yeah. Yeah. So we said, okay, we'll do our thing at 4.30. So I talked to him at 11.30 this morning. Yeah. So he forgets that he's going to call me. Yeah, bright, shiny object in the corner. Easily <laughs> distracted. Yeah, it's only my bad. Sorry, Ted. Wow. I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to you at 4.30. And you, you, Ted even suggested, just you, just replay this interview. <laughs> yeah. You want just save we everybody could. some hassle. Never even brought that up to me. I, I told him. Long story short, I have a, a, a day of the week for the shows, right? And so this Thursday, Ted Davis's name is nowhere on the Thursday well, show. Well, he's normally I totally on forgot. our Wednesdays, I but he was in Detroit I take yesterday. full blame, yes. I take full blame. Well, you know what happens to John? After his show, you know, you have that little show let down, and then he goes oh, out yeah. and eats lunch, and yeah. he's just droopy for the rest of the day. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, he's a droopy normally, so uh, <laughs> throw that into the mix. Um, so I apologize for John's absenteeism on the phone call. It happens, right? So, so so you're asking me about last night. Yeah, not and, a good uh, one. Yeah, that was the stinker uh, from uh, really about the middle of the second quarter on. And I knew going into that game last night that rebounding would be a problem. But, oh, boy, I didn't know how big of a problem. Uh, 57 to 35, they got out-rebounded. 22 offensive rebounds for the Pistons. And uh, the Pistons dominated in a couple of areas, uh, the rebounding and points off turnovers. And they were ahead by nine at the half and shot 39% in the first half. The Bucks' defense did a good job of getting that initial stop, but they couldn't get any rebounds, and this has been a problem all season. And I go back to Pat Riley once said about the playoffs. He had a line that said, uh, no rebounds, no rings. Well, it, it applies to the regular season, too. If you rebound like the Bucks did last night, you're not going to win the game. How much, uh, I'm not trying to offer up excuses uh, by any stretch, but how much are they missing uh, Della Vadova and, and Malcolm Brogdon from a depth standpoint? It's Snell not available last night either. Oh, I think it's, it's starting to add up, in particular Brogdon. Uh, I think they miss Brogdon more than maybe people realize because he's a very solid player. He's going to give you 10, 12, 13 points per game. He's going to play solid defense. Uh, Delhi is a guy who can run the half court very well. And they've now been out for extended uh, extended time. And last night you had Sterling Brown and Sean Kilpatrick 
having to play those minutes, and they didn't shoot the ball very well. So they didn't give you a lot offensively in that game last night. So, yeah, you're missing those two. Uh, having Jabari back helps, but when you've, when you've got injuries at other positions, it can add up. 21 games uh, remain. That means you're at the three-quarter pole of the season. If we took the snapshot of the moment, which is a bit unfair, but it is what it is, the Bucks are the seventh seed in the East. Uh, is there enough in their tank to flip the switch that has been the last three games and to get back what they've given up? Just when I think no, they go out and win a few games, and I think yes again. I mean, the fact today is that they're closer to the eighth seed than they are to the fourth seed. And that's what made that loss to the Wizards uh, hurt so much the other night. And, you know, I knew when they went into this eight-game stretch after the All-Star break that it was going to be tough. I said at the time that I would sign the contract right now that said you could go four and four. I would be satisfied with three and five. Uh, Right now, they're one and three. Now, if somehow they can win two of these next four games, which is certainly doable, then you get out of this eight-game stretch, which will end with the Houston Rockets next Wednesday uh, in Milwaukee, and they're the hottest team in the league. You'd get through this stretch at 35 and 30, and then the schedule lets up for a little bit, and you'd be in pretty good shape. So we'll see if they can do that. They're capable of it, but they just got to go out and do it. Ted, let me take you back two nights. I was in the arena uh, against the Wizards a couple of nights ago. 40 points in the first quarter is what they gave up. Now give the Wizards credit for making open shots, but... Uh, Ted, the, the Bucks didn't come out of the gate playing uh, an up-tempo defense and giving the Wizards the opportunity to do just what they did. Yeah, and they've had one bad quarter in a couple of games. Uh, I, I really think the game they should have won was the New Orleans game. Uh, yeah, they're up 18, early third quarter. I know teams make runs, but you've got to find a way to cut that off a little bit and find a way to win that game. And, you know, the Wizards, give them credit, man. I thought when... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When John Wall went out, and he went out for six to eight weeks with a, a knee injury after surgery, I thought, well, they're going to drop. I mean, there's no way they can lose John Wall and maintain the 4C, but they have. Uh, and so give the other guys credit. Uh, the Sadoransky, the big, tall yeah. point guard yeah. that's playing behind John Wall, has played really well. Uh, Bradley Beal has stepped up his game, and they have survived an injury that I didn't think they would be able to survive. Yeah, it's interesting to watch how this kind of plays itself out. And um, from a seed standpoint, we'll we'll just see where where the Bucks are going next. And uh, you know, as we uh, as we wrap this up, did you want to send John any other final message before we finish today? <laughs> no, but I, the, the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden still makes no sense to me at all. No, nothing at all. Zero. Here's what I want to see. When the Bucks Arena opens next year, I want to see a three-city rotation, Indianapolis, Chicago, and Milwaukee. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. Keep it right here in the Midwest. No reason to go to New York. Come on now. Yeah, Uh, I'm with you. I agree. Uh, Ted Davis, thank you. Uh, Back to Wednesday next week, unless we flip it up and John misses a call. All right, see you. All right, thanks, Ted. Ted Davis, voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. They've already been to D.C., right, with the Big Ten Tournament? 
Yep, a year ago. D.C. was last year, yeah. New York City. Yeah, so that was the favor. That was what they put in place when they added Maryland and Rutgers into the mix. So, listen, again, I know that it doesn't it doesn't work because the Big East tournament is next week at Madison Square Garden. So you're never going to get your tournament spot and week in New York City. But I would just say this, for fans of the Big Ten that go out to Manhattan and staying in or around or near Times Square... It's a heck of a place. You know, I mean, you know, when they're in the NCAA tournament, last year they went to, to Madison Square Garden in the NCAA tournament. But mm-hmm. you don't know that until they win the first two games. I mean, you knew that if they won two games, they'd go to New York City. But in this case, for fans of the 14 Big Ten teams to plan this and to go to New York City and to stay near at Times Square for three or four days, even if your team gets out right away, it's a great place to visit. It's just that it put teams in a bind. There's no, they, they don't have a team that's n- nearby other than Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, it puts programs in a bind having to compress the schedule as they did this year. Right, and it's weird because the selection show isn't until the 11th? Is that this Sunday? A week Is from Sunday. The, the week from Sunday, yeah. yeah. And so remember when this happened, the news came that this was going to go out uh, to New York City and the dates. And remember, we we're talking about like this is going to be a horrible thing. Like the Badgers are going to have to wait two weeks until they blah 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 and play basketball again. Well, maybe. Hopefully, they'll have to wait that long, right? Is it just? It's just kind of funny how we view the story a couple years down the road, right? Because this was going to be the big storyline: is this is outrageous? They're playing it at this time, and now you got to wait X amount of days till the selection show, and then you got to wait even longer until the tournament actually starts. Well, I guess it really didn't factor in. Although maybe it will. Well, and it, but it will for the other teams. It will I mean, for the will, other teams for sure, for, but not for our Wisconsin perspective that we were talking about Michigan two years ago. It will for Michigan or Michigan State or Purdue. Yeah, I think. And anecdotally, they'll either say, hey, that rest helped us, or hey, that uh, 13, 14-day break, that really hurt us. Anecdotal reaction. Patrick Herb will talk Badgers next on The Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd, we're the other ones It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from We let our color show where the numbers ain't We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint That's who we are This is the Mike Keller Show That's how we roll Call the show at 877-729-1070 Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I wish that we would have broadcast the commercial break in studio. Uh, It's unfair for me to do, but if you would have been listening in in the commercial break, we'd have filled up the entire 5 o'clock hour with the conversation we had. Might want to bank it for tomorrow. Might want to bank it for tomorrow. So we've got Patrick Herb, who's going to join us in a moment, talking a little Badger basketball. They're at the Big Ten Tournament, Madison Square Garden in New York City, and they are staying for another day. Can we at least give the people a little peek of 24-hour preview of what we were talking yeah, about? Go, go ahead and ask me your question <laughs> and that I did, you asked during the commercial break, and I'll answer it the same way. And I might phrase it differently as we start to move <laughs> forward. Well, just because I was trying to look okay. for the right words, right. and okay. this was just off the top of my head yes. during a commercial break, and I don't even know why I started talking about it. I said, as a, a from the NF, from a opposing team's perspective from the NFC North, how worried would you be on a scale of 1 to 10 
if the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal? And I said not as really. As far as like, oh, crap, now my, the Vikings have this guy. I wonder my how that... answer is uh, I, I not, you said not worried at all. Not really any different than I was now. It's not as though that is a tremendous upgrade from what they had in Case Keenum. So I wouldn't look at the Vikings and go, oh, crap, now they've got Cousins. There would be none of that. I would think, okay, so they've got a decent quarterback for an extended period of time. I think I don't think he's a great quarterback. I, I think he's between decent and good. I think so he's I think between he's, good and in the potentially division, more. In the division, he would be the third or fourth best quarterback. I don't think you have a perspective. Listen, I'm oh, not saying... Am I wrong? Yes. Oh, Matthew Stafford's two, by the way, behind Aaron Rodgers. So he's third or fourth. Cousins is not Matthew Stafford. He's not. Um, I would say he is Matthew oh, Stafford. Oh, my goodness. All right. See, now you got a sidetrack, and Patrick Herb's waiting on the phone. Uh, if you Fourth, he'd really be behind Trubisky? He might be <laughs> as Trubisky uh, progresses forward. You take your face I and said, you shut it. John, I said third... Or fourth. Or fourth. Well, to even include or fourth yeah. is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, I think he is Matthew Stafford. He is, not, he is not Matthew Stafford. Sure he is. No, he isn't. Okay. Do you want me to just... Oh, no, because Matthew Stafford plays on a team that just doesn't stack up. Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback on a bad team. And Kirk Cousins was an average to good quarterback on a decent team over the last three or four years. I just don't think Kirk Cousins strikes fear... In somebody so going to the Minnesota Vikings, a bad team is nine and seven, nine and seven, but an average team is seven and nine and eight, seven and one. They were nine and seven because Matthew Stafford made them nine. And but seven. they were Matthew bad. Stafford is there, so that's a bad team. Nine and yeah, seven, is bad. He but the Redskins, them, he lifted them to a nine and seven. The Redskins are team. average because they're seven and nine. Yeah. Okay. okay now we're on the okay. same page. Got it. Glad you understand me. What do you, you think, Patrick? Patrick Herb, wait <laughs> through all of this. I mean, he's got stuff to do. Sorry, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. How are you? What have I stepped into? Here? I don't know. John John gets all fired up about his Vikings. Can you we know? can we at least all agree that basketball is fun in March? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you flip the calendar and then you get this. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was fantastic. I mean, and listen, I mean you're front and center, but this is the way this team has now played over the last three weeks, six games, maybe even a touch more, and uh, that gives them a chance to beat whoever they're playing, right? There's no question. Over the last seven games, this is a different team. And really, it's from that last Maryland loss. They, they lost to Northwestern at home in kind of a stinker, and then they went to Maryland and lost a game that they had a chance late but didn't know how to finish. And ever since then, they've won five out of seven. And even the, you know, the one of the losses was to the number two team in the country, Michigan State, and it was down to the wire. And, and they've changed a few things statistically that are giving them a chance and giving and giving them the ability to overcome games like today where they shot 36% and 17% from three. You should not win a game when you're three of 18 from three-point range. But they only turned it over seven times. That's a big positive trend that's happened over the last seven games, that their turnovers are down substantially. They only allowed 54 points. Their defense locked in uh, where they gave up 68 to Maryland the last time they played them. They got 12 offensive rebounds, and they made 20 of 24 free throws, something that Wisconsin's been a decent free-throw shooting team over the season. I think that maybe some people don't agree with that. Really, it's just one player that's been dragging down the, the 
free throw percentage. Right. But the rest of the guys have been pretty good. Today, that player, Ethan Happ, was 6-for-7. And here's, here's a note for you. The game was tied 47-all. And in the final four minutes, Wisconsin scored on each of its last six possessions and went 8-for-8 eight eight at the free throw line. They weren't doing that in November and December. They didn't know how to win those games. They didn't know how to close them out. Now this team might have figured out what it takes to win in the last two minutes, and, and that's a really important thing to learn. Yeah, well, and you talk about uh, Ethan Happ from the free throw line today. In a game that you win by five points and Ethan Happ at the free throw line goes six for seven, uh, I mean, you could stop the, the, the points yeah. right there, right? I mean, that's, that's a difference maker. Every one of them is important. Every one of them. And, and when, you know, Khalil Iverson is a guy who's raised his free throw percentage substantially this year. He was like 55 or, or under 60 last year, and he's over 70 now, and he went 5 for 5 today. And what, what you're seeing now, too, is that this team doesn't have to be, okay, Ethan Happ better score 25, or, you know, Brad Davidson better go crazy and have 30, that they can get a balanced attack as long as those other things are in place, that they're defending and they're taking care of the ball and they're being opportunistic on the offensive glass, and they're getting to the free-throw line. So I'm not sure that 36% shooting and 3 of 18 is going to get it done tomorrow against Michigan State. Probably not. They're probably going to have to make some shots. But it gives them a chance if they do those other things. They at least are in the game. From the the guard position, uh, Davison and Pritzel, they don't turn it over today. And and you talk about those turnovers, 7-4 Wisconsin, 12 for uh, Maryland today, well, you have plus five on the possession front. That helps you too. But it has been that it, it has been the complete um, reduction of turnovers over these last seven games that has given them greater opportunity. This looks like the team that we've been more accustomed to seeing over the course of time. Right, and, and you know, this team, this is where they have to play because let's not kid ourselves. It's not an explosive offensive team. No one would, no one would argue that, especially when you take two of your most athletic guards out of the mix, and Trice and King. So this team's going to have to manufacture some of these games, and and if you want to call it winning ugly, as long as you call it winning, that's all that they are really concerned with. And there's also a there's a they're competing really hard right now too. And I, that over these last seven games, the competition level and the effort that they're bringing has ratcheted up, and it's it's sort of like they know that the candle wick is is almost out. And they're trying to keep it lit as long as possible. And I'll give them a fighting chance tomorrow against Michigan State. I mean, I, I wouldn't count them out. Well, I think it, it's always, uh, we talked about upsets uh, overall. When you're talking about football and basketball, the team that's being upset has to help you out a little bit, right? I mean, so I thought Purdue did that in the game at the Kohl Center. They helped Wisconsin out because they missed a bunch of shots early that, uh, you know, in the game down in West Lafayette, they didn't miss those. So. As we you know play this forward to tomorrow at noon Eastern, eleven o'clock Central Time, what does Wisconsin need to do, and, and how much help do they need from Michigan State uh, if they're going to you know keep this dream alive another day? Yeah, I agree that they, in the, they need help, and what they need is they need for Michigan State to not have a guy go six for six from three point range like Cassius Winston did on Sunday at the Kohl Center. Right, you know those a guy that like that that you maybe expect he's a good player, but. You can't have a guy go way above his normal production. That you got to keep everybody contained because it's pretty hard to do that when they have as many weapons as they have. Um, Wisconsin needs to they, a couple of things they need to do. They need to keep Michigan State off the glass. They were burned by offensive rebounds in that first matchup with them on Sunday. 
um, that that can happen, You've, and it's very difficult against this team. I mean, they got a bunch of pros on their on their team, and probably two lottery picks in that front line. But you got to make an effort to to do it. Ethan Happ has to try and figure out a way to score against that front line, which in two games this season he's gotten some points, but he's had to take a lot of shot attempts to do it, and he's been blocked several times. and And that's no fault to him because Michigan State's got the best interior defense in the country. They lead the nation in blocks. I think they lead the nation in two-point field goal percentage. But they're just really difficult to score on inside. So you've got to figure out a way to do that or get to the free throw line because they can be foul prone. Jaron Jackson, as good as he is, has had games where he's been in foul trouble. Um, and they're going to have to make some shots. I mean, let's, let's face it, a lean forward, if he goes one for eight like he did today, that puts him in a tough sure. spot. Yeah. Um, so... That that's kind of the recipe, and then you're right. And they probably need Michigan State to not play their best game. Well, um, and the, the, we go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask on the minutes. Uh, all five starters over 30 minutes today. Davis in the least of those with 30 because he had foul trouble a bit in the first half. Reverse played 19. The other three off the bench: bench Van Vliet, Thomas, and Mache. One minute, five minute, one minute. That makes the turnaround more difficult, right? For tomorrow, yeah, they're going to yeah. have to get more bench minutes. Yeah, and these guys are logging heavy minutes all season. Right. That's the other thing. It's not just that they logged heavy minutes today. So I would think we're probably going to see a little bit more of Charlie Thomas and Alex O'Kanen and Andy Van Fleet um, because they're just because of Michigan State's size and that front line. Um, one thing that Wisconsin might have in its advantage, though, is that we've seen it a lot in the Big Ten tournament that teams that have already played a game in the venue, that have played a game, let's say, on Thursday and then play again on Friday, We've seen it several times where they have a little bit of an advantage, that they shoot a little better the next night, that they've kind of got a little more comfort level. And hopefully Wisconsin can find that a little bit tomorrow. The Michigan State's coming in cold. It's an early start for them. And Wisconsin's already been in that venue. and Maybe they got their cold shooting night out of the way. And maybe they'll shoot better tomorrow. I remember I looked back at last year, Northwestern, uh, in, the, in the Big Ten tournament. That was Wisconsin's semifinal opponent. Well, they played a game on Thursday. And then they played on Friday, and they got a big upset. Uh, and I think part of that was because that they had played on Thursday and already seen the venue. Well, and some of these guys aren't part of it, but y- you know, you've been there this this whole time. Wisconsin—that's their second most common arena over the last three years—is Madison Square Garden, right? I mean, they other than home games, they played more games at MSG than any other arena. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, they've played five games there in three years. I guess. That is the second most common arena for him. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, Ethan Happ, in particular, he's played five times in that building now. Yeah. He's averaging 18 points a game in that building. So there certainly should be a comfort level. And I know that's the freshman that played today, like Brad, Brad in particular, Brad Davison, was, he was really excited to play in Madison Square Garden. And he, when we were... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I in the elevator up to the floor, to the surface, the playing surface. He was like, this is Madison Square Garden. Yeah, right. You know, and he was, like, it was a big deal to him to play in this. Um, but he didn't play like it. He didn't play like it was too big for him or, or that, wow, this is such a, this is such a landmark 
place because, like you said, he logged heavy minutes and had zero turnovers. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, one final thought, visiting with Patrick Herb, who joins us uh, from, I would assume, near Madison Square Garden, maybe down near Times Square where you guys are staying. I'm at a tavern just on the street. No. <laughs> well, good. Good for you. Um, That'll be later. <laughs> w- w- what about the uh, the atmosphere? A lot has been made about whether the Big Ten tournament should be here. Should it be there because it's a week early? Should it be in New York City when, obviously, geographically, it's not uh, the centerpiece of the Big Ten? What did you feel from an atmosphere? Is there any buzz, or is it what we kind of thought? Um, I think it's getting panned a little too much on Twitter, to be honest. That you know, the, the, they, I think people were critical of the crowds yesterday, and the crowds yesterday would have been would have been weak no matter where you played yep, it. Cause I agree. Four bottom teams playing in the middle of the afternoon. Um, today's crowd wasn't huge for Wisconsin's early game, but it was loud. It was a good environment. Uh, and I think the weekend crowds are probably going to be pretty decent. There are a lot of alumni in this area. There are a lot of Wisconsin alumni. We, I know we sold you. You're on the. They ask you to sell 500, and they make 500 available to you uh, tickets. And I know we went way over that in our sales. So I think one thing that's being lost on it. I, I don't love that it's a week early, and I think Jim Delaney already kind of said that that maybe was a bad move for condensing the schedule. Um, and I wouldn't want the tournament to be here every year because I love it when it's in Indianapolis and Chicago, and it feels like that's where it belongs. But there is a novelty playing in New York, and there is a novelty of playing at Madison Square Garden. And the story I just told about Brad Davison getting really excited to play here, that's kind of cool. So if they play here once every 10 years or so, I guess I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, uh, Patrick, thanks. We We appreciate you jumping in here and – um, hey, can we do this again tomorrow night? Yeah, you know, when? I was just going to say, hopefully <laughs> <Yes>. you packed <laughs> enough to not come back until late Sunday. Let's do it. I got four suits. Greg told the team afterwards, he said, I got four suits. I would love to wear them all. But yeah, we, yeah I can't wear suit number three and four until we, we win number two. Well, so, we, you need to be there. Time. You need to be there long enough where you can get a run through Central Park in because they already did. I, you know, see, I never count my chickens before the hat, so I made sure I got it this morning in case we weren't around long. But now I might have to do two of them. Now you get it. Nice. You get a second. All right, very good, Patrick. Stay there as long <laughs> as you can. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Patrick Herb joining us from uh, from New York City, one of the greatest city on the planet. I like this point there. If it goes to New York City, if they don't make it a regular thing, like it's kind of a, a neat arena to be in but don't go there all the time and make it no my my problem with it is not the arena or the location it's that it's a week early that's that's an issue for me and and i think it's an issue for the coaches and the universities i think they have a problem with that um in the grand scheme of things i'll tell you this if the big 10 does well in the ncaa tournament coming up two weeks from now they won't bother that they they won't be worried about this again if they have a, a poor performance in the NCAA tournament, Big Ten schools, you can almost be assured that this won't happen. I would think for you, a long time. I would, and like you said, it's up in the air as to how they'll actual actually perform. But I would think you wouldn't want to wait this long, right? Imagine your team you're just you're getting on a run and then you stop, you just put on the brakes for like two weeks. That seems really awkward. I would think, hmm. you know, I, but. You never know. Maybe it works out for him. You know, I've been having a Twitter fight with Rob Vogel. You made the case. You said Cousins would be three or four in the NFC North if he signed with Minnesota. And my my point was not that, well, that he wouldn't be four, but um, not necessarily that he might not be three, but that he's on par with Stafford. 
that he and Stafford are clones of each other, basically, this production-wise, okay, um, not not style-wise or anything like that. And I think you differed on that, and and so did Rob Vogel, who said, I, I hate to say it, but I think Heller Sports might have a point. And, and here is my point with it, Mike. Over, I took the last three years of Cousins. That's when he started compared to the last three years of Stafford, right? I think Stafford has he had uh, just to make to make it sure has he played in sixteen games? I think he's yeah, uh, yeah. been healthy yep. over okay, the good. last three seasons. They want to make it too unfair. Um, here are the numbers in forty-eight games played for each uh, quarterback. Cousins has thrown for thirteen thousand one seventy-six. Stafford thirteen thousand and thirty-five. Completion percentage: Cousins sixty-seven. Stafford, 66. Touchdowns, Stafford, 85. Cousins, 81. Picks, Stafford, 33. Cousins, 36. And I guess my point, quarterback rating, if you want to go there, Cousins, 97.5. Stafford, 96.5. My point wasn't that he's better than Stafford. My point is, I don't know if I put him third. I think Stafford, I think basically that would be the equivalent of the Vikings getting Matthew Stafford. And I think if you put Stafford on a better team, he would look like a much better quarterback. If he had a world-class defense and a world-class running back, something the Lions have never really had, and he had some great young receivers to throw to, I think all of a sudden Stafford, you'd look at Stafford on on that type of team and say, man, Stafford might be the difference maker. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah, and and I disagree. I think Stafford has has had those numbers on an inferior team with inferior weapons. Do you think Cousins has had... Great weapons to work with in Washington? I think he's had better overall weapons and a better coach than they've had in Detroit. I don't think Jim Caldwell is a good coach. Uh, I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's been a great coach. That's why he's not there anymore. I mean, the I book- think dis- Detroit has been more dysfunctional than Jay Gruden in Washington. I mean, the, both their quarterback record was at 25 and 23 for Stafford. I'm just my, my yeah. point is that both teams are both kind of crummy. I'll, br- I'll bring you back to this. They're both basically uh, the same record wise. I'll, I'll bring you back Stafford to this. Stafford had a tie. You, you want to play it all out on numbers. And I want to I, I would put the eye test ahead of this. And I think the eye test tells me that Stafford is a better quarterback than than Kirk Cousins. And all I'm saying is I think they're both in similar situations. The quarterback record is almost identical. Uh Cousins had one tie while Stafford didn't have a tie over the last 3 years. All I'm saying is Production-wise, I think you're getting Matthew Stafford. I'm not saying I test or I would want that guy in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying from what you okay, get so and remember, what they both had, I don't think they've both had Cousins nor Stafford. I don't think either one has had a good team around Remember, the original question that you had asked during the commercial break was, if Minnesota gets Kirk Cousins, how should the NFC North fan bases in Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit view that on a scale of 1 to 10, of making you nervous, nervous or as worried, to what yeah. Minnesota's got. And I said, eh, it doesn't make me any more worried than what they had with Case Keenum. Okay, pretend um, just the baseline. Pretend Keenum, I, uh, here, the same is, team from is, last year. This is what I said to you off the air. I said I would have been more worried had Bridgewater never gotten hurt to his progression to be a quarterback in Minnesota than I am with Kirk Cousins potentially going to Minnesota. Because your question was, if they sign him for six years, what do you think that says to the division? And I don't, it's not, here, here's the thing I would, I would differentiate here. It's not like signing Drew Brees or Tony Romo four years ago or Derek Carr or, uh, you, know, you can keep going down the line. I think that in the level of quarterback play in the NFL, the Kirk Cousins is not in the top ten. So it doesn't make me more worried. 
I don't think the Vikings suddenly become, you know, the Vikings are a really good roster with a good head coach and a great defense. Okay? You, you don't think he they, can they make the next step? There. With a, you don't they're think already he, there. No, I don't think he can he, make the next step. Why? I think, because I think he's a decent quarterback. That's the level I put him at. Decent, not top 10. Mm. I, think, I think his I, numbers... I could, I'm not saying he'd be the when MVP. When we come back, I can name 10 quarterbacks that are better... Okay. That would worry me more than Kirk Cousins. I'm, and my, but now you're you're making it sound like my argument is Kirk Cousins is a top ten quarterback. And no point have I ever said so, that. So, but why would I? Why would the NFC North be worried about Minnesota? Because you just if they had add in the thirteenth best quarterback in the league. Because you just had a team win thirteen games with the quarterback that had a career year that actually had some production. And I think you could get that same production, if not more, from Kirk Cousins. And so I'm, it's basically saying last year's Vikings team, you're going to get that same production at quarterback for the next three, four, five years. But that's not – okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So your question is, should I be more worried with Kirk Cousins? No, I think it would be about the same as what they got from Keenum. I think you should be more worried. I, and I don't know why. There's nothing on paper that tells you that Kirk Cousins will raise his game above what Keenum did this year. Nothing. Except that his stats were better than Keenum's this year. Nothing. Except for that that on paper, yeah, right? Except for the fact that no, they were better. I'll give you nothing on that. It makes me no more nervous that they would add Kirk Cousins in compared to what Case Keenum did. More yards, I'm more worried more about the Vikings roster, which is pretty darn good. More temps, too. but I got, I got nothing. It makes me no more nervous. Oh, suddenly, I'm going to start sweating as a Packer fan and I'm not that saying, they add the 13th no, 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 best no, 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 quarterback no. in the NFL to the mix. And, and once again, you're making this argument sound yep. like I'm saying you should be at a 10. I'm not saying he's you should be at a 10. He's the third best quarterback in the you. NFC North. <laughs> if Kirk Cousins goes to Minnesota, He'd he's be the tie, third best quarterback, and Mitchell Trubisky is nipping at his heels. Oh, you're ridiculous. It's true. The arrogance you have right now. Just no, you, it's not arrogance. Yeah. Well, we'll get what other people think. 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. By the way, thanks for eating up tomorrow's topic. Well, this is the Mike Heller we'll Show. Bring it back tomorrow. So, in no particular order, because that's not the point of this, in no particular order, these are the guys I would have in my top ten. Can I say something? At no point has I, have I ever said that Kirk Cousins is a top ten quarterback, but you you just have you said you could name ten guys better than Cousins. Well, I think you could name ten guys better than Cousins, but yeah, go ahead. But, but I'd like to hear who those guys is, are. The premise of this is, if the Vikings had added a top ten quarterback, that would make me nervous. Right. That they're adding a guy that I think is in the next tier beyond the top ten doesn't make me any more nervous. And all I'm saying That's is, the what, point. Uh, here's what I'm saying. Whatever your level of nervousness was... Um, it's not increased. And I think it should increase by a and couple I of notches. I think you're silly. So these are my 10 in no particular order. Brady, Rogers, Breeze, Ryan, Wilson, Rivers, Roethlisberger, oh, yeah. Goff, Wentz, Newton. You went way too fast. Try it again a little slower. Sorry. Brady, Rogers, Breeze. Okay. Yep. Ryan, Wilson, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Goff, Wentz, Newton, all better. That's the top 10 in whatever particular order. They're all better than in the group that includes Cousins. Now, in the next level, and Cousins might be in the middle of this. He might be at the bottom of this. I'm not sure. By the way, But in I the think, next level, I'll put okay. Stafford, Dalton, Carr, Smith. Alex Smith, Derek Carr, Dalton, and Stafford. And I don't know where Cousins is in that mix. 
somewhere in the middle, maybe at the bottom, maybe he leads the list. I don't know. But it's the next tier. So for me, he's somewhere between 11th and 16th in the league. And what I'm saying... that's not going to make me more nervous that if the Vikings add a veteran quarterback who, you know, now we're going to covet because he's a free agent. What I'm saying is I think Kirk Cousins has the potential to be a little bit better on a better team, right? So you, you get a guy who puts up some decent stats on bad teams, and they're talking about Kirk Cousins, and it's not like he's putting up horrible stats, but there's no way is he, is he elite. No one's ever made that argument. Uh, and then you get him a really good defense and some targets and a, a young running back who can make plays, and I think what that does is that takes a – production level guy like Cousins who had similar numbers to that of what Keenum produced this past season and that could make him even better he might go to that that next tier of guys and I'll tell you if the Vikings were signing a guy like Matthew Stafford that would make me more nervous than Kirk Cousins and all I'm saying is production wise those two guys are the same if they were signing Andy Dalton it would make me more concerned than Kirk Cousins Dalton is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins get out of here Leave, leave the show by the way, the top-rated quarterback in the NFL last year was Alex Smith. 26 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 104.7 rating. So for everybody that thinks, you know, if you add a guy like that that doesn't make mistakes, doesn't turn it over. That is one thing that I would uh, think about with Cousins. Is Cousins he... throws 13 interceptions last year. Dalton threw There's nobody 12. in the top 10 that has that high of a number. Dalton threw 12. Nobody, I said nobody in the top 10. I know, has that I'm just saying that you're, you're precious, Andy Dalt. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, Mitch called the Mike Keller Show. Hello, Mitch. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, what's happening? What do you got? Hey, my argument is, is if I'm not mistaken, didn't Matthew Stafford lose Megatron in 2015, correct? Yep. Look at the stats on, on Stafford since Megatron left, having a Hall of Fame wide receiver. And if you flip the roles from Kirk Cousins to Matthew Stafford on the identical t- on what you're saying is as Kirk Cousins is Stafford, what do you think Matthew Stafford would actually do with the Redskins? Would he turn that team completely around? Well, what would he do? No, I'm not talking about the Redskins though. I'm talking about what happens in Minnesota. Matthew Stafford threw 29 touchdowns and 10 interceptions last year and had a quarterback rating of 99.3. Cousins goes twenty-seven and thirteen, ninety-three point nine. I'm just I'm just saying I don't think the cousins the the premise of the question was does cousins if he signs with Minnesota does it make me more nervous about the Vikings in the NFC North and the simple answer is no. I thought Keenum was pretty darn good this last year. I I don't think Cousins is is a dramatic upgrade from what Keenum did. And what Keenum is. In fact, I would say Keenum is more mobile, moves better. So uh, I, I, don't know. I, I couldn't comment if that's true or not, but um, all I'm saying is I think if, if your nervous factor um, moving forward, and by the way, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC North, but if your nervous factor was that, like, um, if they have that same production, whether it's Keenum or whomever, is that like a six if you're a Packers fan, whatever that number might be, be whatever, that's your baseline. If the Vikings sign Cousins, I think in the short term, depending on what they would have to do, because they'd be given a mega, a mega contract. I know they have some other players they need to sign. 
You've seen what's happened with Seattle as far as trying to keep defenses together or whatnot. I would think that if that happened and they did sign Cousins, that your worry level might go up to like a seven or seven and a half. Nope, mine isn't. Because I think that that production so, so has you, the potential okay, to increase on a better team. Reverse the question then, because it sounds to me like your confidence level is going a six to a seven and a half. And by the way, to your previous point, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think the Packers are the best team in the NFC North. I think the Vikings are. Uh well, I mean, they have the better far- roster. Well, simply put, but the problem is, the board. yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is the difference maker. There's a maker. one difference maker, but the roster is better in Minnesota today than it is in Green Bay today. But Aaron Rodgers has beaten better rosters because he's Aaron Rodgers. So true. I mean, so th- put Aaron Rodgers on the field in those two games against Minnesota. I think they have a great shot of beating the Vikings both times, especially that one in Lambeau. If he's playing against Kirk Cousins, I give it the same chance. I don't think it's any different. I don't think Kirk Cousins makes Minnesota better in 2018 than they were with Case Keenum in 2017. Well, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat 13 games, um, so I, I would probably agree with you in, in that respect. I'm just saying I think it would give them a more consistent, um, a more consistent production from that spot. Where you where you know like you can All plug right. in twenty five. Ask, ask Redskins fans what they think about well, what, consistent performance. Well, I talk about consistent performance. I'm talking about not going from a guy who is going to throw fifteen touchdown passes and three thousand yards and not really at times be a factor in the game, but someone that other teams are going to look at and say, well, you know what, this guy could throw the football and here. I'm or we could just do this. Telling you that that Redskins fans don't view this the same way you do. Okay. That's fine. Fine, let him. I think that I think that would be a, a really big signing. Confidence level would definitely go up. And I think you, that you've overstated it. No, that's. I want to know what an insider has to say. Let's ask Brewer Dave. Oh, he's an insider. Hi, Dave. Hi, guys. Uh, John, you know, Mike. We have the policy set up where if you're going to say something stupid, you have to say it in the first hour of the show. And so this should have been taken care of in the first hour. So I'm a little disappointed with John. Well, bringing this up now. Can I can I ask what speci- I've said a lot of things in this hour. <laughs> What's what in particular did you find stupid? Don't even go there with Kurt Cousins. What was Kurt Cousins' rec- what his best record? What was his best record in Washington? Um, I don't know. Let me look it up. 9 and 7? 9 and 7. Yeah, probably. 9 and 7. Woohoo! <laughs> what was Keith Keenum's best record as a starting quarterback? Uh, this past season he was 11 yeah. and 3. What was it? Thirteen and three. Eleven and three. Eleven and three. As a starting yeah, I don't quarterback, know. I think Kurt Cousins probably be a lot better. So oh, but, but okay, so stop, Brewer Dave. You you can't look at it that shallow. You obviously understand there are a number of factors that go into winning a game besides just the quarterback, right? I I would agree with that, but I don't think Kurt Cousins gives you anything more than you got now by any means. I think Keenum actually has better synergy with this team the way it is right now. He's growing into this team. These players are growing with him. Well, I think... I, I, $70 million at Kirk Cousin to come in and, and be a Viking and think you're going to go 
any further than what you are right now. I, I just, John, John, John. Yeah. The last, the last two years. I think it's uh, that crazy, bro. The last two years, Kirk Cousins has thrown 52 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. So he's essentially two to one. Right. That's not a great ratio. It's a, it's an okay ratio. It doesn't make me, oh boy, now the Vikings are adding a guy who he can throw it. He can spin it. He's a difference maker. He's not a difference maker. Not in my opinion. Hmm. Not a difference maker. Well, he's think- just a guy that comes in, and maybe he's got a little bit more track record over the last three years than Keenum, but I don't think he'd be an upgrade over what Keenum put on the table last year. Um, I think he. I think what you're essentially doing is you're putting your money in that says we're going to get at least that. Produ- we're going to get that same type of production. And we at least know that someone's done it for three years as opposed to someone who's never done it during his career and then all of a sudden popped up and did it for one season. So I think what you're saying is we're going to get similar type of you know, touchdown pass numbers, completion percentage. Hopefully those interceptions don't go too out of control. I, I, I assume they're thinking. But my point is at least we know someone that's done it for a few years, and hopefully that can continue for five or six Ian's more. Ian's Pizza bet me that uh, that uh, he'll be the third best quarterback in the NFC North based on quarterback rating in 2018. It, well, if he signs with Minnesota, obviously. Um, Rodgers and Stafford will be better. I mean, that's based on health. Is there a certain number of games that they have to play? Yeah, 12. Okay, I'll take that bet. Ah, just you want to pay me now? I do like the the mac and cheese pizza, but I also like the uh, what did we do? The macho nacho. Mm-hmm. I really like that one too. Well, can I, mean, I just get it in advance, or do I have to wait until next? I just don't January? think that's much of a crazy Ian's pizza bet, like where it's a runaway. Like, oh, I got it. I mean, over the last three years of starting, he does have a better quarterback rating than Matthew Stafford. So, I mean. I don't. I don't think it's that big well, of a leap. And Matthew Stafford was playing on the incredibly dysfunctional Detroit Lions. Kirk Cousins is playing on those Super Bowl not contending as, Redskins teams, right? Not as dysfunctional right? in Washington, my opinion, as they are in Detroit. <laughs> it's not like he was playing on a contender there, ever. Mike. Um, you know, this is not the intended conversation today. I know. But what you brought up was crazy. You brought up during a commercial break. You asked me if I would be more nervous, and the answer is no. And my well, it all stemmed because you said you wouldn't be nervous at all. So, well, I think I was basing it on would it. I be more nervous. Does that make me more nervous? No, it doesn't make me more nervous. You're just as concerned. I think the Vikings are a really good roster. Kirk Cousins doesn't make them better than what they were last year. Does it make them worse? No, I, not necessarily. Okay. But the Packers make them worse if Rodgers is healthy for an entire season. I Agreed, just, yeah. I don't think that Cousins is a game-changer in Minnesota. I really don't. 877-729-1070. Uh, One final segment coming up next on The Mike Heller Show. So I knew that when we came back here, uh, I wanted John to make his case because he's got one ready to play out for Kirk Cousin, the NFL Hall of Famer. Stop it! Uh, no one's the making Pro Football that case. Hall of Famer five years after he hangs it up after winning. I'll try to Super wrap Bowls this up, in Minnesota. <laughs> I'll try to wrap this. No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll try to wrap this up and say it as best I can. What I think, if that happened, what that would do is it would give that team who kind of emerged this season a, a, a certain level of consist, consistency and production that they haven't had since this past season. 
other, would, yeah, other than this past other season. than this past season, and, so, and it gives but, them that for the next four or five years, the potential. Well, I, don't I know believe if it does absolutely. I'm just saying that uh, he's done you, it for three you, straight. You asked. I don't think any of those years that he's done it for three straight have been. Hey, that he's a Pro Bowl caliber top ten. So what you're saying is that the NFC North should be a little bit more worried that the Vikings are going to put in the number 12 quarterback in the league consistently over the next three years. I, yeah, sure. Why would that make you nervous? Because they've had the number 23 guy in there for whatever. And this year, you, what would equate yeah. to maybe yeah. a top 15 guy. And look what happened. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Now, the, the Aaron Rodgers' health obviously factors into that as well. But, I mean, they've never had a top 12, 13 guy there since, since what, Favre's sure. great season. So let me touch on a couple other things before we uh, head out of here today. And one is about Wisconsin and their win today against um, the Maryland Terrapins. Now, tomorrow they get Michigan State. My concept of an upset where that is concerned, uh, here's why you should be optimistic. And then I'll tell you why you shouldn't be. You should be optimistic that the Badgers played today and have a bit of a rhythm and on that floor in that arena they didn't play well today offensively. They didn't shoot it well. They did from the free throw line. So they won without shooting it well from the floor. They won because they didn't turn it over, and they played good defense, and they made free throws. They made some good shots. Pritzel and Davison both had some big shots late, Right, too. late, yeah. but yeah. not overall percentage-wise. No, they, they did not them, shoot yeah. well. So uh, from an optimistic standpoint, you should be optimistic that the Badgers have played turnover-free error-free basketball for the most part over the last six to seven games, and certainly today. You should be optimistic because Michigan State hasn't played there yet. You should be optimistic because the game's a noon tip tomorrow in uh, Eastern time zone. Noon tip. It's 11 o'clock here, by the way. Make that clear. 11 o'clock, the Badgers and Michigan State play. You should be optimistic because Michigan State is almost certainly a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They don't need this. Not as though they're not competitive or they won't go out and give max effort, but there's a difference between being desperate and knowing it's your last game if you lose, and it is for Wisconsin, or if you're Michigan State, where they can walk off the court, be disappointed, and know that a week from Sunday they'll still be on the one-seed or two-seed line for the NCAA tournament. And there are many teams that come out to play on Friday after the team that they're playing played on Thursday, and they just don't have the run, the buzz, the get-up that the team that they're playing does. Those are the reasons you should be optimistic. You should be pessimistic because Michigan State is simply better across the board. One of the best teams in the country, if not the best. And if Michigan State plays well, they'll beat Wisconsin. If they play near their level, they'll beat Wisconsin. For the Badgers to win, Wisconsin has to play at a high level, high for them, and Michigan State has to play well below their level. Those, those are the, that's what happens in these. That's how you have to view it. Now, it, that doesn't mean it can't happen. It certainly can happen. Michigan State could come out, and at some level, they don't have what um, Cassius Winston did on Sunday at the Kohl Center by going six for six from three. You know, that they're just, that they play a good game, but nobody is great, and they, you know, have a hole that they have to dig out of, something along those lines. So that's that's one point. I mean, I think that that makes tomorrow fun. Listen, in a season that I had checked out on at some level about their possibities, Wisconsin lives to play another 40 minutes. 
And if that 40 minutes ends up being really good, I think if they win tomorrow, and this will sound like Captain Obvious, I think if they win tomorrow, they can win this tournament. Because the path gets easier. I don't know that Purdue will be there on Sunday. Because I hope so. I hope conference so. tournament games are, are filled and fraught with upsets. It's not always the best. Last year it was Michigan, an eight seed, that ran through, got the automatic bid. Wisconsin's the nine, coming out of the same game. You win tomorrow, and I think Wisconsin can win this tournament. I understand if they lose tomorrow, they can't. It's not double elimination. But my point is, win tomorrow, and I think there is a legitimate possibility that they could win this tournament. It definitely makes it really exciting, right? Um, because I, I think it's it's amazing what one win in the Big Ten tournament does. It gets people asking me, coming into the studio here today and asking, hey, what if they win this whole thing? What do you think their seed could be in the tournament? Like, it gets everyone excited, and it gives you hope that the possibility is there. And so when we, over the last 20 years, have talked about the Badgers, we've always just been looking at the seed. And we've kind of forgotten what conference tournaments can do for programs that are, you know, just seeing if they can go on a run. And so it's kind of exciting, and isn't it? I mean, we've always looked at a conference tournament as let's just get through this healthy and let's see if they, they can improve their seed by one or two spots. But now you look at the conference tournament for what many other teams have looked at it over the past 20 years. This could be our ticket. This could be our magical run. Are we playing basketball at the right time? And so it's, it's kind of cool to look at it from that different perspective now because you haven't had to do that for two, two decades. And then uh, this other quick thought that we didn't get to today, and we probably will at some point tomorrow, both on this show and we, by the way, are guest hosting on The Rich Eisen Show, which you can listen to online on Fox Sports Radio or on iHeartRadio tomorrow from 11 until 2 Central Time, noon to 3 Eastern Time. I shouldn't do that, though. John gets confused when I give different time zones. I stick to the Central Time Zone. Okay, so what sports do we worry about tanking in? Professional. Basketball. Yep, basketball and is any worry about? I mean, there's a lot of talk in baseball. Um, yeah, but they just call it rebuilding, and everybody seems to be okay with it. Okay, so the two sports that we're that we're thinking about this is basketball and baseball. Mm-hmm. Doug Melvin had a good idea shared with Tom Hardicourt today, and this also Ooh. has been played out where the NBA is concerned. Let's hear it. Uh, Doug Melvin for baseball says that. Um, what? Did, how did he say this? Let's see here. He said that on August 1st, after trades are made, you identify the eight teams with the worst records in baseball. And over the last two months, of those eight teams, the one with the most wins gets the top pick. So in the NBA, when you get to 20 games remaining and you identify those bottom, how many teams are in the lottery? 12? Whoever has the best record over the final two months of the season would get the top draft choice. That would be kind of that'd be pretty cool to think about. Like all of a sudden, those teams so establish that benchmark. But, Maybe it's right now. Maybe it's at the three quarter poll of the season. Here, here's the only, or you have twenty two games left. Here's the only issue I have with that. Sorry what? to interrupt. Jump in real quick. Sometimes there are just really bad teams that in the past would have the best opportunity to land the top pick to try to rebuild their organization. And so if you have that spread of 12 teams, that, that could be a really big difference and give an advantage to a team that's 
Kind of bad, so but kind of good. What about the Chicago Bulls who have decided and made the announcement last week, we're going to see how our young players can play the rest of the way. Now, maybe they change that. Maybe they would compete. Maybe they would actually try to be winning games because of those bottom 10 teams in the NBA, the best record over the final 20 games would get the top. Or maybe it's the lottery balls, John, again, where it's weighted to favor the team who in the last 20 had the best record. Maybe that might be a... It's not an automatic. Right, maybe that might be... I kind of like that perhaps a little bit more just, again, to try to keep it fair for teams that are actually really bad. Right. (laughs) You know, they're actually really bad teams, I think, have the potential to get penalized if that was the idea, but... I don't know. It's it's interesting. I like putting out these new ideas in the NBA because a lot of them seem like they could make the game more interesting down the stretch. So, John, tomorrow on the Rich Eisen Show from 11 Central until 2 in the afternoon, 11 a.m. to 2 Central time, we've got Jason LaConfora on the show. We have Chad Ryder, NFL.com, at the Combine on the show. We've got Tony Granato, USA Olympic hockey coach, who's also the Wisconsin coach. He will be on the Rich Eisen Show. And maybe more. Still working on other things. There might be surprises. And you'll hear some of that back later tomorrow afternoon as well on the Mike Heller Show. we got to get out of here. We're done. That's it for today. Go Badgers tomorrow. We'll talk about it in the afternoon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Heller Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.